Well, that's the good thing about this character, I think, is that not only is he kind of aloof and forgetful, but like nobody gives him shit for it. That's Gordo wondering, like, how come you guys are so mean to me when I'm a roof <laughs> and forget things? <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to S1E1, the show where each week we pick a different sitcom, watch just the first televised episode, and forgetting anything we might know about the future run of that show, rate it and decide if it's a show we want to greenlight or cancel. This week we're going to be talking about Cheers. Cheers went 275 episodes over 11 seasons on NBC. Today we're talking about episode one, Give Me a Ring Sometime, which originally aired September 30th, 1982. So to get things started, I'm Jay Gags. With me as always, the boys, Joe, Gordo, Ferg, Nick, and Dave. What's going on, guys? Hey. Hey, yo. I'm going to be your chief. So yeah, before we even get any further into it, Dave, hello, welcome to the show. Our first guest, introduce yourself to the people. Hi guys, uh, thanks for having me on first and foremost, love the show, uh, I've been listening since episode one. I know all of you and you know all of me, I host a podcast called In a Pickle, it is a show dedicated to the less glamorous side of sports, so basically we take a member of a team and... We find out if they have had a life after their baseball career or a sports career. So, like, uh, you know, for instance, we did a show about, just for instance, our first episode ever was about the wife swapping Yankees. Two guys back in the 70s who ended up swapping wives. It worked out for one and not well for the other. And then, uh, basically, it's like people who had it all and lost it. We were baseball for a while, but then uh, I recently got a new co-host, and we decided to move into all sports. We just did our first football episode a couple weeks ago, Barrett Robbins. He uh, was on the 2003 Oakland Raiders when they went to the Super Bowl against the Tampa Bay Bucks and decided to go to Tijuana before the Super Bowl because he thought that he had already won the Super Bowl, even though he didn't even play yet, so... That's a level of uh, <laughs> fucked upness that I can get behind. It's a little fugy. Yeah. So it's not about pickles? No, it's not. <laughs> it, at first, we were going to have a, an all-pickle podcast where we just talk about the different types of pickles, but it's uh, I just don't want it. You know. That's why Ferg hasn't listened. Give him away. This isn't about food. I'm out of here. <laughs> Dave, now that you've got the new co-host, I want you guys to redo your episode on Gator that you did on a Drunken Opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that technically does apply, yeah. And uh, I, I do want to add, too, like, so f- on our part, bringing in Dave, our first guest, makes sense. Again, he knows all of us, but a doing a Cheers episode, for so many reasons, Dave first, a Cheers super fan. Yes. I actually threatened all your lives if I wasn't on this show. I think from content, I think before we actually put an episode out, you had told us, so like a year and a half ago, you said if we ever do Cheers. Additionally, uh, has spent many years working in the Boston bar scene. Yes. And a big baseball fan. So all everything like in that Cheers encompasses makes sense to have you on board with us for this episode. Absolutely. And I fully appreciate it. Did we miss an opportunity for introducing him with all, all of us just going, Dave? Like, I feel like yes. that was a... <laughs> we probably should have called that shot. Yeah. When, jo- when Jay was doing the intro, I'm like, it's too late. Why did this come to me now? <laughs> Stop the intro. <laughs> Cheers. Uh, this was not, this was more of like a group pick. And the reason we're doing it is at the time of the recording. So this episode is going to be coming out just a few days before the uh, anniversary, the 40th anniversary of this episode coming out. 
wild. So it seemed really appropriate to do it right now. So yeah, th- this is why we're doing Cheers, kind of a communal pick, just seemed to make sense to do it right now in honor of the anniversary. It's kind of weird being so far away, from, like being 40 years away from it. We're all around that age. There's a scene in this episode where he's reading the kid's fake ID and he's like, oh, 1944, so you're 38. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't fucking handle that. At the time of this, people our age were born while World War II was still happening. Right. Hitler was still sucking air when people were our <laughs> age when this episode came out. Holy fucking shit. Yeah, it's crazy. It's pretty wild to think. So I already mentioned Dave, big fan of the show. As far as Cheers goes, what's all of your fandom or knowledge going into this episode? This was a huge, huge, huge Nick at Night show. For, or was it Nick at Night? might have been another network. Was this on Nick at Night? Nick at Night, yeah. It, yeah. it had its yeah. run. It was. Yeah, it had a run for sure. And it was one of my favorites. Like, you know, you have your go-tos. Like, you're kind of forced before streaming existed to, you know, just watch whatever was on. But I was always super stoked when Cheers was on. It's just, I don't know. It was, it always entertained the shit out of me. So when, when Cheers aired in 1982, I was only one. So I didn't really start to enjoy it until I was probably around the, like, 10, 10 years old age, maybe. And uh, I remember when uh, Cheers went off the air, it was, like, the very last episode and I, I asked my grandfather to tape it for me, and I held on to that VHS tape for years and years and years because I just loved the, the show so much. And then, of course, now that it's on streaming services, I, I think I'm in the third time over of watching every episode, which it's is a lot of episodes. Hard. Yeah. yeah. What, what did you say? How, mon- how many was it? 200 and what? 275, I believe. Yeah, it said including weird. some like double length and triple length episodes. <sighs> basically, it's you know, over 500 hours of cheers. It's weird how I just waste my life. And now do you want to explain what a tape is for our younger listeners? Uh, yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> now, Dave, do you yeah. feel as somebody who's rewatched it? Because I've rewatched it a bunch of times, too. Or, or I've, okay, I've rewatched the, I've watched the whole thing again in syndi- like in syndication or whatever. Yeah. But I always seem to stop when Diane leaves now. Like, that seems to be a weird cutoff point for me, and then I lose interest, and a couple years later, I'm like, I'm going to rewatch Cheers again, and then I always sort of drop off. No, I, I've always I've always gone the whole length of it, because, I mean, it's funny, because I've always made the joke with Cheers, where it's like, it really is like working in the bar industry, where people just leave, and then, like, new people come back, and you kind of forget about certain characters that you worked with, or that would come in because I mean regulars come and go all the time and so do employees and when Diane left especially when I was older yeah that that happens that shit goes on all the time you know yeah so and then when true Kirstie Alley came came in it was just I love like, Kirstie Alley too and I love Frasier and Meredith like it's it, I love the show all the way through I just feel like for some reason it loses a lot of the like our childhood nostalgia bit to me once it turns into those years I don't know what that is I don't know if I would say that just because if you think of its timeline and run our childhood you know we were we were very young even when the show ended. I just think that those yeah. were the ones that were on syndication, though, when we were yeah. kids. Yeah. Like, the other episodes were so new, they hadn't made it a syndication yet. Of replacing her, though. Like, I, I think Kirstie Alley was probably the best they could have done. Yeah. Um, replacing Diane. Oh, star of Look Who's Talking? <laughs> and Look Who's Talking 2? And Look Who's Talking Now? You needed, like, a strong personality type. But I think, yeah, it's funny to look back at Cheers and you look at this specific episode, and then you think of all the, you know, you mentioned Frasier and all these cast members that weren't part of the you know early on episodes and how well established they are and how pivotal they are to the show and with that i think this show not to jump ahead does one of the best things ever where they replace coach when coach passes away with woody the way they do that is that coach hired woody and it's like 
surprisingly emotional the way they do it. Yeah. But then Woody's yeah. so goofy and funny that you're like, I'm in with this guy now. Like it was some great writing. That's my thing about Cheers is like to polarize your thing with Diane leaving. I prefer post coach. I don't dislike coach by any means. I love coach, but I would always prefer a Woody version of Cheers to a coach version of Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> I do love Woody. I, I know we're going to get into it soon enough, but like just the first episode alone of Cheers with coach was probably my all-time favorite coach moment. I'll be honest with you. I watched a good amount of Cheers as a kid when it was on like Nick at Night and stuff, but I haven't really revisited it and I don't have like an extensive knowledge of, about basically any storylines. So I'm going in kind of fresh here. It's not that I'm unaware of the show. Yeah. I've seen it plenty, but being so young when I watched it, nothing really stuck with me. So it was very interesting to go back and watch it with like fresh eyes all these years later. Um, so the coach character, like I forgot like that he had passed. Like I remember Woody taking over later, but right. To be honest, though, like, that show still holds up today. I mean, minus, like, you know, the 1980s fashion and everything. All those characters, like, especially, like, coming from my end where I've bartended for the last 20 years, like, all those people that are in the bar are actually people in the bar. I think what happens is a show like this that's centered around a very basic premise of people just hanging at a bar and talking about their lives, it holds up. So references could be dated with time as things go by. But the concept and just reality of how that works and the fact that that still happens in modern day right. makes the show more timeless. And like The Office is another example of that, right? Technology will change, but there's still people going to their office and working nine to five and, you know, interacting with their coworkers. Right. So when there's so much like grounded in reality in these types of shows, I think it, it makes for them having a more timelessness to them. I will say, too, this episode, I, I have a lot of visual gags for this one, which I hate, but like, you can see my Cheers mug that I'm drinking my beer out of right ah, now. All right. I felt like this show was a little bit of a bummer for me because I moved out of Boston during the pandemic. So I haven't been to a bar in Boston in, I don't know, two and a half years. And watching this was like a little... You're not missing anything. I know, but it's, you know, in the bar I used to go to all the time closed during pandemic. So like the whole thing, I was like, oh, I kind of missed that. And up here, we haven't... We just found our bar for the first time like a week ago. It felt like I was in like a shitty dive bar in Boston for the first time in a while. But I felt kind of weird with all the post-COVID stuff. We're like, I mean, Dave, I'm sure you can attest to this. It was just weird. Bars just stopped being a thing. There were places you went to. I went to a lot at least weekly. And then they just weren't a thing anymore yeah, for a couple I of mean, years. Like totally repivoted how you did your weekdays or weekends or whatever. It totally went from seeing the same people every single day and you know, having a, almost a personal relationship with, with limits, of course, you know, where it's like, I'm not going to tell this guy my social security number, even though like I can get him drunk enough where he's going to tell me his social security number. After the pandemic hit, it was just like, you didn't see any of these people. And a lot of people didn't come back. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people maybe didn't make it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Especially the, the barflies, like the older pickled barflies, probably some of them didn't, yeah, didn't take. Yeah. Some of those dudes just perished in the, uh, the fact that they couldn't get a drink every day. I think the weird thing too is, and this is not just a Boston thing, but all over the country, right? The bar COVID hit bars and then the real estate market exploded. So then a bunch of bars just went away because they became condos, which is like even weirder to me. Right. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm actually shocked that you guys all watched this show because I have seen very little of this show and I didn't like it growing up. Like I remember not liking it. I don't remember why. I'm with you. I think it was dreadfully overrated when I was little. 
This was the first big Thursday block. Like in our like in more recent years, we had like the Office Parks and Rec 30 Rock block. I was negative three. No, well, the show lasted until the mid-90s, though. I understand that you weren't watching it in 1982. But I think it makes a lot of sense when you look back and you, when we're children, there's not a lot to cling to. The humor is in subtlety and in being clever and smart, and it's not loud jokes for kids to get. So it's really not, you understand it with a totally different viewpoint watching it now in our, like, latter half of our 30s than when you're five years old and watching yeah. an episode, yeah. it, it lands very differently. It really, like, we were not the audience when it was in its original run. For me, it was like, the intro that I love so much now, as a kid, I fucking couldn't stand. Very boring. And then, like, the, yeah. I, it wasn't even the song, it was just the picture. It was the stilled image of, yeah. like, old-timey shit, and I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. I would usually probably change it before you even got into the bar. Like, oh, I love that. Do we want to talk about the theme song or wait till we get there? We'll, we'll get there. We'll, we, let's just get it right into the episode. Yeah, the opening scene, you see Sam Malone, played by Ted Danson, and he's just kind of getting some stuff ready and kind of like that hallway scene, which I thought was an interesting way to start the episode because you have like that moving shot. We've talked about a lot of like this style sitcom or the classic sitcom. Whenever you see like cameras in motion, it's very... It, it's it's weird to see, especially in an older show like this. So I thought it was kind of weird to have that like cinematic start before it got into it. Do you know what weird to me out about this scene? Is that it looks like a fucking Chili's. Like there's all sorts of weird goofy shit on the walls. There's a light up neon Wurlitzer jukebox, but everything else is rich, dark mahogany, which is so fancy and so... I think it, it mirrors a lot of bars in Boston. I see what he means though. It's it's like a It's like a half saloon, half bar. Yeah, it's it's got that because like the cigar store Native American figure is like a big thing throughout the whole season, right? But like to have like I don't even think the Wurlitzer are still there after this episode, maybe like that's maybe a too bright and colorful. But there's like you know when you'd go to a restaurant or a bar in Boston, you're like I don't know why there's a toboggan on the wall, but I guess there's a goddamn toboggan on the wall. It was that, but then everything was super fancy and felt like you were in a courtroom. Yeah, that was just the decor at the time. And some of, you have to remember too, Boston is one of the oldest cities in this country laughable by other country standards with how young we are boston is really old so some of these converted saloons and stuff still had that that like classy wood feel i guess you guys know what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah, yeah. no i get it and i guess to like pivot because we're talking about just the actual intro is the first time we're seeing the bar i think we should mention like cheers based off of an actual bar in boston not called cheers which i think is very confusing to people but what's it called the Bull and Finch. Oh. I went there once on a date with a girl who wasn't from Boston. Because I want to see the Cheers bar. And I was like, no, you fucking don't. But I what went there. What pisses me off is the fact that it doesn't even look like the bar. That's Cheers. the thing. Nothing. It looks nothing like it. I said, the hell with this place. I've never been for that reason. I don't want to ruin Isn't it. it called Cheers now? It is It's called now. Cheers now. But yeah. if you want a $37 cheeseburger that tastes like water, I know yeah. a bar to send it, you It's just to. a tourist trap now. Yeah. So yeah, I went once, I want to say maybe 10 years ago. It was the only time I've ever gone. And I was like really excited to finally see it. And yeah, it is nothing. Like they based the show off of this bar but aesthetically it is not even remotely close this bar in the show looks like so many boston bars not the one that they based it on though it's basically like walking into an applebee's that has a merch store in it with all the cheer stuff it doesn't fit anything I like pooped cheers in there it's very okay it, it's very, very nice it's very it's very tiny it's very cramped it's uh there's not a lot to see in that actual bar itself but what what i think bothers me more than that 
is now the one in Faneuil Hall is already closed, right? It's gone, yeah. yeah. So there was a there was COVID another Cheers, it. yeah, Cheers restaurant that was created as more of a touristy spot in the middle of Boston for those of you who aren't familiar with the area. That one also looked nothing like the show. And if you're going to start from scratch and and create a brand new place to theme after the show and the popularity, why wouldn't you make that one look like the show? I will say, though, that's where this mug is from. And I loved drinking there in the winter when there's no tourists in Boston because they knew you were obviously from there. And it was like just a regular bartender. It'd be like Dave or somebody working there. Right. right. They're just like uh, strong pours and we'll leave you alone and cheap domestic beer because we're a tourist trap in February in Boston and nobody's in here. And we just know you like the TV show. Like, that's usually the conversation. Right. I was like, oh, you guys like Cheers, huh? It's like, yep. Can I have a fucking high life? Like, yep. Anyway, moving on. Let me ask you guys a question, though. If you were the owner of this bar, if you were the owner of Cheers, like the real Cheers, the actual Cheers that's in Boston, with the popularity of the show, obviously now you got tons and tons of tourists coming in and they're spending so much money on this. Wouldn't you like maybe renovate in the off season to make it actually look like the bar from the show? It seems insane not to. Yeah. Can I step in here for a sec? How long has the Bull and Finch been around? Since before Cheers. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, obviously. Well, that, that yeah. answers your question right there. He probably doesn't want to change it if it's historical to him. I'm sure it's changed um, ownership a bunch of times, though. I'm sure it's owned by something. Na- I'm sure it's not owned by a person's name at this point. I'm sure it's owned by a something something management group. Right. There yeah. It, it's one of those things, though, that I think the problem is if you're in there, it's very like low ceiling. It's it's lower level. I don't know if you could really accurately recreate the place with the square footage that they have. Right. I think that's the real problem. You're not on a studio stage. No, but this bar is big enough. Like, you could create. Even, like, the Faneuil Hall space was very large. They could have recreated the set. Yeah. They just chose to go a different way. Well, this is for Dave. There was a person who was trying to raise money in, like, the mid-2000s who was trying to rebuild the Twin Towers in Arizona. What? <laughs> oh, you're not going to make the World Trade Center over again in New York? Well, then fuck you. We'll build one in Arizona where there's land as far as the eye can see. And it would be nothing but, what, meth? Oh, it would be a terrible idea. You'd never fill out any of those rooms, you know what I mean? But I'm surprised that nobody, like, nobody in a place where there's more tourists, I don't know. You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to go to, like, Tombstone, Arizona, get shot at by Doc Holliday, and then go to Cheers for a sarsaparilla. There is space, (laughs) and there is time. That's what I would do. If I win the lottery, see y'all in Tombstone at Cheers, Arizona. Guys, after consulting with my people, the Bull and Finch... Yes. No, no. Actually, Google this time. The Boston buy that inspired the TV series Cheers was established in 1969. Nice. Yeah. Our generation's ruined. We we lost a number. It's not fair. So I can see why you wouldn't want to revamp that. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that's that historical. No, 69 was not that long ago. No. Now I'm talking about. Goodbye, Jenny. I'm getting a beer here before I go to ago. Vietnam. It's like 60, like, it's not 70 that long years. Ago. It's like 70 years. No. <laughs> again, uh, Gordon math math. strikes again. I want you guys to notice he said 50 years at first. I thought I was wrong at 50. The 69 threw me off. And then instead of counting, you just decided to throw another number out wildly <laughs> in panic. It's like, if I just add 20 years, I'll be okay. <laughs> when in doubt, add 20. Yeah, it's like 342 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> I will say, though, to take it back to the actual Bull and Finch, which is the exterior of Cheers, and to go back into the episode, the first thing I noticed now as an adult was, what kind of insurance do you need for a bar like this that only has access down a very narrow stairway in a place that has very icy winters? That seemed 
nightmarish to me. Imagine having way too many drinks and trying to get every day. It's the wet bandits. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're. It's the sound of a bar suing me when I broke the door. If you really stop and think about it, there was no back door exit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think there's a second point of egress. So there's a fire. Unless you go upstairs to the restaurant, right? Yeah. But I mean, that's also dangerous. What if the fire started up there and just (laughs) engulfed the front? Yeah, you could die pretty easy in Cheers. It seems like. And again, this is no slight on anybody who likes fish. I'm allergic. It doesn't mean anything. Fish, it's like the office, the egg salad sandwich. Can you think of a stinkier food to have on a plane? I don't want to sit for hours drinking under a bunch of fryers only cooking fish. That smell is going to be gross. No, fried fish you can get away with. It's when people at work microwave fish, which is what I have a problem with. That happens way too often at work. Yeah, you'd think by now people would get it. Anybody who microwaves fish in the office or in a work establishment should be dragged out in the street and shot. Yeah, you're fired immediately. Yeah. And if you're listening and doing that, usually I would apologize to the listener, but not this time. No. Yeah, every time I'm like, if you wear those clothes, fuck you, and Jay apologizes. At least we're all on the same level of don't microwave no, not this bad time. food at your work. You should only ever, you shouldn't microwave anything. Work should get rid of microwaves, and it should just be a, called a soup box. Like, you can reheat soup in there. Everything else, if you can't put it in a toaster oven, then I'm sorry. That's not how it works. <laughs> fuck you gonna do in the summer? Eat gazpacho? Do summer soup. It's just cold soup. You can eat soup in the summertime. It's called an air conditioner. Soup no. box. <laughs> I ate soup like a month ago and it was a billion degrees out. And I turned the air conditioner on and was like, fuck you, world, until I went outside to smoke and was like, I'm going to die. I'm sweating salt and I hate my decisions. Well, anyways, I think that's a good time to get right back into the episode. You mean get into the episode? Well, I mentioned Sam Malone <laughs> once. Yeah. So I, I kind of did. So Sam walks in to the main bar area and when we see the first patron walk in who's a very obviously underage kid. He sits at the bar and he's trying to like make the small talk and be like, you know, how about a beer, chief? When Sam asks for an ID, he hands it to him and it's a military ID. And we mentioned earlier, uh, it was a sergeant who was born in 1944, which made him 38 at the time. So Sam realizes right away that this is clearly a fake ID, but uh, he's kind of entertaining the kid with, you know, with some conversation. He's humoring him for a minute. Like, oh, so that was like Vietnam, huh? It's like, what was that like? The kid's like, it was gross. Gross. <laughs> I, I thought that, <laughs> gross. Was, that was my first laugh of the episode was him saying that it was gross. War is gross. Do you know the bumper stickers from the 60s around Vietnam time? War is gross. <laughs> War is gross. Gross. <laughs> so at that point, um, Sam denies him his beard. It's very obvious this kid's is young. And I thought he, they did a good job of, I, I didn't bother to look up the kid, but. Oh, he's got a great other credit that you know him as. Oh, I was going to say, if he's not from Boston, though, he did a good job of portraying Boston in a way that wasn't caricaturized like I have issues with in other things. He is the cousin in Vacation. So in the first Vacation movie, when they go to see Cousin Eddie. Yes. And there's a Cousin Vicky and all that. He's the cousin who's like, do you ever bop your bologna? (laughs) (laughs) That's the kid who comes in and tries to order the beer. Nice. (laughs) He did, like, seven acting credits, and by just that and the Cheers pilot alone, like, he should be in, like, whatever Hall of Fame he needs to be and That's amazing. What a career. He's probably sitting at a bar right now. <laughs> the Bull and Finch is, like, hoping someone catches him and goes, wait a minute, I know you. I know you. Do the line. Do the line. I want a bear, chief. It's like, I don't have asteroids. He's, like, gladly. Yeah, so the intro goes from there. We talked about it a little bit before. The song, iconic, I think if you don't know the theme to Cheers by now, it's like, I, we can't, it's a it's a piano medley that Joe apparently has on vinyl. Joe, who pressed that, though? That is a bootleg, I assume. 
No, this is a this is this song was a big hit. I mean, so like obviously the show took off, so this got pressed. I mean, this is not a big label that's on uh, Earth Tone Records, but but this was a legit pressing from the eighties. Yeah, this is from the time. Have you ever heard the actual song? This record yeah. is wild. So when I bought this, I bought it because I was at a record store and I was like, I love Cheers. We'll put this on. It'll be funny. It's like seven minutes long, and they the lyrics play are just the actual crazy. song, or they used to at, at Fenway during like batting practice. Like it's My the ex- full song. Yeah, it's Gary Portnoy is the artist name, but the lyrics are like, your husband wants to be a girl. Yeah. It's like you wake up out of bed and you want to kill yourself because Mr. Coffee Maker is broken. Like it's a really dark and dreary song. And they smartly just took all of that out for the TV they, show. They really, yeah, they really cut it down to the um, the happy segments, huh? Yeah, it, I mean, it's a fun song when you see the whole thing because it's you're so used to not hearing those lyrics. But the first time you hear it, you're definitely your ears perk up. Like what? It's like in... um. Like, what movie is that where the band's like, I fucking need you more than ever? Old school. Oh, yeah. Old school, yeah. Where they keep being like, did he just say? Like, the first time you hear it, you're like, did he just say fucking what? I thought it was, it's interesting, because it's just like a piano medley where the guy's singing over the piano. And, yeah, I think, to go back to what Ferg had said earlier, it's just, it's not an exciting intro. The song is very classic now, and, like, you love hearing it now. But, again, I guess in, through the eyes of a child, you'd be... It's old timey photos. It's just all like drawings of old timey photos over like a piano medley. So it's not it's not trying to attract kids with colorization too. Like it's very old school looking. But I guess it's the modernization is to be like. But their hats are red. Like Mrs. Pac Man wears a bow. Like all right, cool. I'm still a little like I'm a little off on it even now. As timeless as it is, and watch back, I'm fine with the the song itself. I like the song, but I think they could have maybe did a little bit more. I guess it's so iconic now that it's tough to see anything else in the intro. No, I agree with that. But I feel like there's there was maybe some room for improvement there. Did the Simpsons ruin that song for anybody else? Like Flaming Moe's? Do you hear the Flaming Moe's song? I hear Flaming Moe's immediately, yeah. yeah. Flaming Homer. When liquor in a mug can warm, warm you, you like, like a, a hug. hug. <laughs> yeah. It always amazes me that something that obscure like Ferg has in his memory bank ready to go. Like Dave knew he was going to say that, but Ferg's still ready with lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> Should have my flaming mo uh, mug with me. Post the actual intro itself, we get into the scene where we see a couple walk in, and it's Sumner and Diane. And before I even get into it, do you think that the name Sumner was intentional because of I was Boston? wondering that. It had to. It I had feel like it had to, to be. Yeah, it had to be. They had to be. Yeah, for those of you who aren't listening from our area, the Sumner Tunnel is like the tunnel that you take to get into the city, uh, uh, except the weekends. Except for the weekends, right now, yeah. Not currently, but, but only if you're coming from the Superior Shore, which is the North Shore. Let's isolate our, our like regional. Oh, fuck you. I will isolate the Boston audience all day long. North Shore versus South Shore. Is, does anybody disagree with me? We're all from the North Shore. So, I mean, it's a tough argument. Yeah. We are superior. It's nothing but roast beef. and. But that, uh, that caught my ear immediately. I was like, oh, I wonder if that's why they snuck that in. Surprise, his name wasn't like Sumner Callahan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm what Summer, was his last Sumner name? Tobin. I was gonna say Sumner Tobin. Yeah, Sanders. Sumner yeah. Sanders. Right? <laughs> no, that wasn't his last name. I forget it though. Um, Sanders wasn't his last Sloan. name. It's Sloan. No, you'll figure it out. Sumner Sloan. Summer Sloan. Oh, right. You're thinking of Summer Sanders, who was the host of Figure It Out. Oh, right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, oh, that absolutely. wasn't a joke. You're 100. <laughs> Jesus, that's right. Figure it out reference. There we go. We're off to a good yeah. start. So uh, they walk in and we find out that they're about to get married and, you know, we get the uh, congratulations, you know, you know, let's have a drink and 
because the kid who is still from the intro, he's leaving and he's trying to have a drink with them in celebration. He's trying to just edge his way into having a drink still. And uh, when they deny him, he says, I give it six months and walks off. He comes in strong and he leaves strong. Yeah. Like a command performance. Takes over like in the limited role he has, but not in an overpowering way. So much respect to the baloney kid from vacation. You know, that's when we find out like they have a plane that they have to catch. Uh, they're going to Barbados for their wedding. But before they go, Sumner is insisting that Diane gets his grandmother's ring for the wedding. Problem being, that ring is still owned by his ex-wife. I like that she like specified and said, like, didn't you say it's still on your ex-wife's finger? So she's still wearing it. So like, did they just break up earlier that day that she's still wearing the wedding yeah, ring? Yeah, that, that was weird. Yeah, or they're not fully divorced at the separation and they're still kind of hanging out maybe. So wouldn't that be illegal? Well, no, that's a good point. Maybe that's why they're going to Barbados. That's true. I don't know how I don't know how uh, that works in Barbados. Maybe they should have just went to Utah. I mean, I've seen enough episode of cops where they're like, we were married by the Lord of the Spirits. And you're like, I don't think that counts. But as long as you say you're married, you're fine, I guess. Go for it. I guess like when you look back and it's it's different when you know the whole episode. But when you're talking about it from the beginning, having already watched it, this is like early signs already because someone is very insistent in going to see his ex before they travel. Right. It's like, no, 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 you need this ring. Like, I have to go see it right now and get it. And you're like, well. Maybe that's not the best time to go see her. This is the part that bothered me the most in the episode was when the phone rang and she answered the phone behind the bar. That drove me fucking nuts. I'm too, like, yeah. who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. It made me way angrier than it should have. Yeah, I think if you know the place, you might feel comfortable. Not so much if this is the first time you've ever walked she in did. there. She was just some straight. This is the first time in the bar. It's like, well, the phone, I can't let the phone keep ringing. I must answer it. Like, no, I just let it fucking ring. I mean, to be fair, as far as Diane goes, there's a lot of who the fuck do you think you are as far as her character goes. That is true. That's true. Yeah. That, throughout the entire lifespan of Diane, too. I like to think that, um, I don't know, a show we covered previously, Modern Family, she plays the mom and she's like insane and flighty. And like, if you, when I watched Modern Family all the way through, I kind of thought of her as Diane. You should specify who's mom. She's not the mom. She's not um, the girl from Happy Gilmore. She's Jay's ex-wife. I'm sorry, she's Jay's ex-wife, so she's... Um, Mitch and Claire's parents. If you look at that and you rewatch that show, thinking of her as Diane, having lost her mind because her character goes in such a downward spiral, it's a real fun thing to do. <laughs> also, that show would have been excellent. Her and Ed Helms. <laughs> not Helms. Um. I was going to say, her and Ed Helms? I'd watch that. <laughs> <Ed> <laughs> sure. Well, he does like older ladies if Cedar Rapids has taught me anything. I was like, maybe, yeah, maybe we could put her on the newest season of uh, Rutherford Falls. <laughs> I'd be pro of that. I'd be pro Rutherford Falls getting canceled because it sucks. How dare you? That show's good. Season two just came out, actually, as of the recording of this. And I did enjoy it. But yeah, so Diane does pick up the phone that's ringing in the bar because at the time, now Sumner has walked out and, and Sam had stepped away for a minute. So she's alone when the phone's ringing and she hears it going off and eventually does walk up and go to pick it up. Sam walks in while she's on the phone, and, and it's discovered that she's talking to a girl named Vicky, who Sam does not want to talk to, and he's saying, tell her I'm gone, tell her I'm gone, and she's like, well, I've already said you're here, so now she's like on the phone trying to get around it, and he's like, he's like doing like the motion to like say I'm getting a haircut, but she said that he's like going to mime class. He over motions for this, by the way. I feel like you could just go like this. For some reason, that whole part where he grabs his hair and he makes the scissors but then he tells her that, like, he's running out. For some reason, like, that made me laugh so hard, and I don't know why. Because Ted Danson's hilarious. Yeah, and he's handsome as fuck, too. He's very handsome. He is so handsome. He's handsome Ted older handsome. now than he is. Ted, Ted handsome. 
Yeah, he's aged very <laughs> handsomely. He's never not been a babe. It's- Full disclosure, I am so into Cheers that I almost started a Cheers podcast, but then I realized that like... It's going to take 275 episodes yeah, to get through well, all Yeah, well, after 275 episodes, it's just like, thank God this is over. <laughs> or you have to pivot to Cheers or the Tortellis. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to call it Dancing Malone in the Bar. Now I'm just going to start a punk band or something called Dancing Malone. If, if you finished all the episodes, would you move on to Frasier? I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would have moved on to Frasier. I wasn't, like, too hip into Frasier. I didn't want to bring that up, but I didn't love Frasier. I hated Frasier. We're definitely going to cover Frasier soon. You wouldn't believe how many requests for Frasier I get from people, like random ass people. All people the time. love like, Frasier. It's so boring. I grew up on Frasier. I like Frasier a lot. It's it's interesting to talk. That tracks. I like Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, because it's the crispex of TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> you bland bitch. <laughs> we identify more with a Frasier because more of Frasier than Cheers because we were older when Cheers when when Frasier came out. So it's like, we'll kind of gravitate more towards that. But honestly, like it's, there are some funny parts to it. You know what I think it is? We, we grew up in the edgy nineties and that was like a proper show. And like, yeah. just like, uh. I think it's a big part of it actually. Yeah. But I love Kelsey Grammer because of cheers and the Simpsons. I mean, him being on the Simpsons with us growing up is big. Oh, uh, absolutely. That might've been the only reason why I watched Frasier was because, did he you was know he was a, uh, raging alcoholic at the end of cheers makes sense i was gonna say by his character stance yeah. yeah no like kelsey Grammer was like nodding off in between takes and being like super short with uh the rest of the cast and he stuff. had some like crazy shit go on in his life too yeah he had to go to rehab and stuff i think it even led into like the first season of frazier he was like still dealing with it but i didn't know that until i was isn't there like this. some kind of crazy thing where like Somebody, I think it was his sister or something, was murdered or something wild happened in his life. Nick, I actually remember you saying something about that because we were going to talk about it when we were doing Drunken Opinion together. He had like a whole shitload of like awful things happen to him. Oh, that's right. Okay. Yeah. No, I just had to look it up. But uh, his sister was killed by a serial killer. Oh, Jesus. Oh, oh Jesus. Yes. Freddie Lee Glenn Jr. when she was 18. So, yeah, I mean, I guess that would make anybody drink. <laughs> Yeah. You also know it's a bad serial killer when they go by four names. I, I know I know we're not allowed to talk about other shows or other episodes in the episode, but... We break that rule all the time. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, feel free to break it. Do you remember that episode where Frasier was going to jump off the roof of Cheers? Does anybody remember that my episode? Lim- my, my knowledge of the show is so limited. But instead, he slipped off and went, oh, good lord. <laughs> and we watched the video of it for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> That being said, uh, we've barely cracked the, the first scene of this show. Yeah, he's not even in this and episode. And not even in this episode, but... <laughs> he's not a character for years in the show. That's actually true, yeah. We do have the spinoff rule, and now that we are covering Cheers, Frasier has been unlocked as an available show for us to do, and I think we will we'll get to do sooner than later. We actually already broke that rule uh, when we did Wings, which is related to this show. This isn't technically wings. Isn't technically a spinoff. They're though. canon, but they're not. It yeah, it's not. No, it's not technically. That's the thing. Technically, it's not a spinoff. Uh, to go back into this episode. Wait, wait. Was Wings a spinoff of Cheers? No, no. no. They're based in Nantucket, so any like almost. I think every cast member, every cast uh, member has appeared on. Nobody uh, okay. from Wings was in Cheers before Wings came out. It wasn't like any of these characters were branched off. Okay. Wings right. started as its own entity. Well, that's because they, they were all drinking them. beers at Monks, 
right? That that monk's uh, <laughs> the true detective there who owned. Wait, or oh, was he the oh, cab uh, Tony uh, Shalhoub? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was the cab driver, right? Tony Shalhoub was in Wings. Yeah, no, he he was yes. a big character, but not he we was. Want, we did. Didn't wings. you cover? <laughs> Hold on. Oh wait, 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 wait. He wasn't in that episode. He was not in the pilot. Oh, he, oh, in okay. fairness yeah. to Gordon, he was not in the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so Gordo, you really just only watched the first episode, and you say, "Fuck it, I'm done." Right? Pretty much. Oh, I mean, okay. sometimes I don't think he even watches that much. <laughs> to be fair, there's. I don't know how many times, maybe Jay needs to, someone needs to go back and figure out how, who have seen the shows that we've covered, and I am one of the only consistent ones that say I've never seen it. It's very rare Gordo has seen a show at all before we cover it. So I'm going into, mo- I thought that when we started this podcast, it was going to be a wrestling podcast. I just think your brain's broken because you grew up with 90% of the time at my house, and I've seen all these shows and watched them all the same time you would have seen them. I mean, true. in Gordo's defense, though, he might have been in the bathroom. That's true. That is true. We were in a group chat that, like, exclusively talks about wrestling ladies, if you're listening. But um, <laughs> so ladies. the podcast came about in that chat randomly. So we all signed on to do it. So Gordo must have not been reading everything. But I just I like the idea of when we're like, all right, so for the first episode, we're going to cover Friends. And he's going, huh? Like, Pretty much. That's <laughs> exactly what happened. Like, is there a wrestling episode of Friends? <laughs> Why do I have to watch the first episode of Friends to record uh, pretty this podcast? Much. And then I was like, oh, that's what we're doing, huh? Okay, I'll roll with it. If all of us did a wrestling podcast, it would be nothing but yelling and Nick would have killed himself at least eight months ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, it would not have lasted. Um, yeah, we are a bunch of friends who all like a lot of the same things, but have nothing in common within those genres. As we are quite a bit into this episode already and still very early into the actual episode we're covering. We got a review of one of our episodes recently that was like, who has two hours for this? This one's going to be like fucking Titanic where it comes in two videotapes and you got to flip one over to finish the fucking. <laughs> no, we're not because we're going to we're going to move right along. So uh, if anyone remembers from 10 minutes ago when I was talking about it, Diana picked up the phone and uh, as she finally takes the message and delivers it to uh, Sam. And hangs up. It's like, what was the message? And she said, you're a magnificent pagan beast. I love that Um, the girl calls and when he's not there, like decides that that's still an appropriate message to leave to a stranger to tell him. <laughs> At a place of business. Well, there's, there's a reason why he doesn't want to take her call. So, yeah. I mean, maybe she's happy that she's called before and she usually gets Carla. And she was like, I don't care. I'll say whatever I want as long as Carla's not yelling at me. We find out, too, like in this scene, this is how we discover that Sam owns the bar. Because he says, like, you know, I'm sorry, you know, that you had to do that. If I didn't own the place, I'd fire myself on the spot. So that's like the reveal. I think it's a nice way to bring that up without it being too, like, by the way, I own the place. Right. Good quick writing to make you say it. Like, get the exposition out there so you know what's happening in the show, but not dwell on it. Right. So I'm not that familiar with the show as you guys are. But I do remember the later episodes when he's always, he has to answer to Chris Alley. If he owns the bar, why does he have to answer to her later on? Oh, because the bar gets sold, and her she works for the company. He has, ends up selling the bar. I can't remember all of it. Dave remember me, but yeah. he ends up having to sell the bar, but they let him still work there and manage it. Yeah. And Kirstie oh, Alley's okay. only there because she works for the company who bought it, and she's like the liaison, so she's technically his boss. Is she that right was there? put okay. in place by the guy who bought the bar who ended up being her fiancé. And then right. he, in later, later episodes, he ended up going to jail for embezzling. And I think towards the end of the series, Sam got 
the rights to the bar back, if I'm not mistaken. I think so. Yeah. Did Sam lose the bar because he falls off the wagon and loses it in a bet, maybe? Maybe. I think. I really forget the last episode. Season one, episode <laughs> one. Well, I, I, I had that question. It's my, it's, it's, it's my fault. So could you call Dave a could you call Dave a check expert? I don't. I don't like that. I don't even. I don't, you don't even. You don't even get the silence. You're getting <laughs> yeah, that's just food, bad, like. That that one was so bad it made me angry. So I don't even like. I can't even be quiet about that. So a check expert. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah, the interaction happens between the two, and that's when Sumner walks back because he was on the phone talking to his ex about this whole ring situation, and we find out that she's allowing him to come and get it. So his resolve is like, well, why don't you just stay here and I'll go because, you know, she wouldn't bear the thought of being able to see you like the basically the person replacing her. And the way he words things kind of keeps her swooned at all times. That's because he's a literature professor at Boston University. Right. Yes. Well, he's clearly not a mathematics professor because he needs to figure out that one man plus two women equals zero because this is not working out for him. And we can tell from the very beginning this is going to be a problem. I mean, yeah, you get the he's a slime ball. You get it like pretty upfront. Yeah, I think they're very they've done a good job about making it known that he's not a favorable character. Right. With his decisions. Right. This actor, I forget his name, the guy who plays Sumner, but he could easily be also just in like any like name your 80s action movie where it's like. This guy is like a sleazy American who goes down to like say Columbia or something to run drugs. Like he has the like sleazy vibe so well for this like era of acting. And I get this vibe because she's just like TA and like they're banging that like he probably cheated on his wife with her and that's why they get in the divorce. And now like so he's not a good person. It's pretty much established earlier without flat out saying it. There's a there's a line, uh series of lines in here I really like because when it's established that he's going to leave her there while he goes and fetches the ring, she says to him, Sumner, am I stupid to let you go see a woman you were once in love with? And he says, darling, I'm leaving you alone in a bar. Which one of us is stupider? And Sam's like, too close to call. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that Sam gets his quippiness in this episode. Like, you get who Sam is right away. He's obviously caring, but he's funny. I think they do a good job with his character in that there's a lot of times where he's in a scene and he's very involved, but he doesn't say a lot most of the time. It's a lot of just reaction. And he's listening. a good mug actor. Ted Dance is just fucking awesome. Like yeah. he's just really good at it. Like he was the main reason I watched The Good Place, which is why I got picked for this show. Oh, but he's so good in The Good Place, and he's amazing in Curb. I've never seen a bad thing with him in it. I've never seen Becker. Becker was great. Becker was I need good. To watch that mayor show. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a new show too. where he's like, yeah, he's like the it mayor. It got canceled sadly, but I did really enjoy it. The mayor was very funny. I think I I don't know if it went one or two seasons, but I think they did two. Yeah, yeah we watched the it second was one. Super funny. That show a victim of COVID interruptions and then it just didn't it was weird. I think it was weird timing, and I forget was that one that was like exclusively on like a streaming platform. No, it was NBC, but also Peacock. It came out though when Peacock first started, so I think there was that whole thing where it was like watch one on NBC and watch four on Peacock oh, okay. sort of thing where like some people got confused. Well, you know what? Maybe like went around when his birthday, his birthday comes up in December. We'll try to do one of uh, the many Ted Danson shows. Maybe every year we'll just celebrate Ted Danson's birthday. I love this idea because I love me some Ted We've Danson. already covered a couple of his shows, so, but we'll, we'll look into it as, as you know, a few months down the line. You know what Ted Danson uh, role I forgot all about until we were doing this? He's in Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, he is. You're like, oh man, is he? I don't remember him in that. He's only in it for like a minute. He's like, takes his helmet off. He's sort of like an older general type of character being like, 
I don't know about this whole Nazi thing. This is going to be kind of tough. And then he kind of is out of the movie. But you're like, you're so immediately just like, well, I love Ted Danson. He's much like a Tom, uh, Tom Hanks. Yeah, but he's an actor that he's kind of entered that point where it's hard to not see Ted Danson in things at this point. So, right. And I'm sure he really revitalized his career, too, with all the Kerber enthusiasm stuff in the late 90s, early 2000s, where like everybody kind of got reintroduced to him. Plus, he survived that ghost attack and three men on a baby. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. He also just survived having a little girl and three men and a little girl. He also survived just hanging out with Steve Gutenberg. Hey, Please Academy's one and don't two. Don't you insult the coot. I love the goot. Speaking of which, Please Academy, Jay, how's your Bobcat Coldthwait impersonation going? Uh, I just told you guys earlier, I can hardly talk. I just came back. Uh, I was on. That's the tra- time to do it. He has a raspy voice. I flew in last night. This time yesterday, I was still in the sky. It's been a very long 24 hours for me, so I can do hardly Bobcat talk. for our guest, Dave. Jay, are your arms tired? Boy, are they tired. Um, I told you guys, find a nice Bobcat show that he's in the pilot of, and then we can discuss it later on. I've done research. We've done his only show. Shucks. No, he, well, he does a lot of guest spots and stuff, but we could just do a bonus episode of Burglar. <laughs> I say we just re- record, we just um, do Police Academy. That or Hot to Trot. Oh, you guys, you guys don't do cartoons, right? You've only done The Simpsons. We've done The Simpsons. Because Police Academy had a cartoon. He's not in it, though. He's not in it, no. But. His character is. But I do have the sweet Chuck action figure where he presses back and his pants fall down. <laughs> <laughs> At this point of the episode, we meet Coach for the first time. He walks to the front door. And um, I don't know much about the actor that plays him. Uh, like we did mention, he he passed in, what, the third season of this? But um, Yeah, it was the, the third season, but I don't think Woody came in until like the fourth or fifth. Oh. I forget how it works, yeah, but he basically comes in and he's like, hey, I was hired by this guy, Coach. I'm looking for Ernie. He hired me to come work at this bar. And they make, like, a joke about how, like, everything's backward and confused with Coach. But, yeah, he's got a big career list of things he did, but it was mainly just, like, a lot of just, like, guest star TV acting. Right, right, like, right He's right. the kind of guy you would have seen on, like, Dragnet. Like a career right. one-off guy. Yeah. yeah. He reminds me of Gerald Briscoe for some reason. <laughs> he does look like Gerald Briscoe. So uh, Coach walks in, and he's upset about the Patriots draft, and he said that it's like their worst draft yet, and with their first-round pick, you know, instead of grabbing like a running back or a quarterback, they get a linebacker. Sam replies with saying, I've seen a good linebacker turn a team around. He's like, yeah, me too. Like, and it's, it's, a runner, it's a runner throughout the episode that like every time some, he brings it up, he takes on the opinion of the person he last talked to. He's tofu. So he, yeah, so he just keeps going into this Patriots draft, but he's like just as passionate, whether he's happy, angry, or sad, every time he talks to someone, because he's like morphing with whatever, whoever last spoke to him about it, which I thought was a really good runner for the episode. First of all, everyone knows the Patriots would have taken a lineman. Uh, yeah, I think we got a guard uh, as of the last um, first round pick we had, so. I know nothing of football, but I know the Patriots are bad most of our lives. Were they just like terrible? In what year would this be? Would this be the 1982? 82. 82 NFL So this draft. is before Bury the Bears, so we got like three years on that. Yeah, we're we're not a phenomenal team. And they were still playing in Foxborough, but it was the different stadium that was like where all the wrestling shows were held that was like a bloodbath stadium. It was like known as like a violent stadium. At Foxborough Stadium? It wasn't Fox it wasn't Foxborough Stadium yet. It was in Foxborough, but it was Schaefer called Field. Else. Is that what it was called? Maybe, yeah. But I know it was, it was known as like a violent place. Yeah. The New England Patriots with the number one overall pick took Kenneth Sims. He was a defensive end from Texas. In 1982? 82. Yeah. But when was that draft held? You might want to look at the 1981 draft. 
that's why I was asking. I figured the 1981 probably would have made more sense, but <clears throat> they were the number one pick in 82, which is what they talked about on the show, didn't they? Right, but does that mean they were the worst team in 81? Yes. Yes, yeah. That being said, I, he morphs right away as soon as he says that, and he notices Diane at the bar and asks who she is. And when Ted tries to get into the story a little bit, she cuts him off. And she says kind of specifically, like, I really don't want, you know, you discussing my private life with everybody. At this point, I hate her. First was yeah. the phone, then this. It's that strike too. Sam's response bitch. is like, great, though. Well, because he says, like, well, what do you want me to tell people? And she's like, I don't care. And I, but I like the idea that everyone's going to be like, who's the girl sitting there? It's a bar. Like, the odds right. of someone just sitting there is, like, very common. Yeah, you walk into a bar, you never ask who else is in the bar. But, yeah. I mean, I guess there's a lot of regulars here. But later on, there's, like, Swedish tourists. Um, but, yeah, so when she says that she doesn't care what he tells people, he tells Coach, oh, she's a hooker. I like how Coach is just like, oh, he's <laughs> just like totally okay with it. He's like, what? Okay. He's like, oh, all right. Well, yeah, well, it comes up later, and I think he truly believed it. Yeah. So the Coach Coach is on that borderline for me of the that character that's too dumb to function. It's like, why is he around? But like I said, he's he's on the line. You know I hate that kind of character. I like I like Coach. I was like to think he must have gotten hit by like a stray pitch or something. You know what I mean? Like he got hit in the head and he's sort of just not doing great. Cause talk about him being like a retired. Well, it's funny you say that because later episodes, you find out what happened to coach. Okay. I don't remember that. And why he's so like foggy in the head. He holds the records for most time being hit in the head by a pitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. That'll do it. Because like he's an adult character. Like he has a child. His daughter comes into play later on. I remember. Yeah. There's uh right after this dialogue, they go, uh-oh, uh, Carla's late again. And then no sooner because of television, Carla runs in to the bar and she's screaming about why she was late. Uh, Carla played by Rhea Perlman. She's saying her kid was throwing up and, you know, if you don't buy that, I quit. And if you don't have any compassion for my children, like, you know, I'm busy and I'm usually very punctual and... She's just running and screaming all this stuff as she's coming in. And it, I don't know how late she is. It doesn't look like terribly late. But as soon as she leaves, Sam's just like, you think I was too hard on her? Because obviously he didn't <laughs> get a word in. Well, Coach walks in and he's like, looks like Carla's late. But Coach has been there Coach for just walked in. a minute. 10 seconds. Yeah, yeah. So she's not that late. This is a weird thing. But we have, we've had this conversation a lot between a bunch of friends of mine. And uh, my buddy Dan Wars, who does that finger on the button Instagram, who posted about us. We had a long conversation once. We're pretty much convinced that Carla lived in Winthrop. Yeah, we, we from the episode yeah. where she buys the house. It's either Winthrop or East Boston. It's yeah. either Winthrop or East Boston, but I think the way she describes the airport being near her, it's Winthrop. Hmm. Yeah. Am I the only one that anytime she brings up her husband just thinks she's talking about Danny, Danny DeVito? DeVito. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But instead, it's what's his name from Clueless. It's like, got on my chair. Which yeah. is my favorite <laughs> thing ever. They split not too long ago, right? Did they actually split in real life? I don't know if they divorced or they're just living separately. Oh, that's heartbreaking. I know. That's just one of the couples that lasted forever. And you yeah, just, like you just like, wanted that to be a couple to stay together. That's a, lo- that's a long time for a celebrity couple, though. You know, give, I'll give That's a long time that. for most couples at this point, but yeah. Well, look at Ted Danson and uh, Mary, uh, what's her name? Steam, Steam version. Steam version. Like, they've been together for a million years as well. What's what's wild to me is when you see Carla at this point and knowing that she had been with Danny DeVito for so long, it it makes so much sense. Like their personality type seems so likened at that point. Like her running right. in, in the scene. Yeah, they had they they got together. They had kids. One of them has psychic powers. What? I missed that one. Went over my yeah, head. I lost that reference. They're the parents of Matilda. Oh, oh Matilda. shit! Yeah. 
Oh, it's so weird of all of us grown men not catching that Matilda joke right away. (laughs) I was trying to think there was like a Louis De Palma from Taxi reference. I couldn't remember. I'll try to be more prepared in a little while when Ferg tries to throw. Don't act like I'm a 36 year old man that just saw Matilda for the first time. Hey, he's a 36 year old man who just saw Matilda for the 20th. Time. I was gonna say that's the that's the <laughs> problem. more of an issue. 20th time today. First of all, that movie's great. Don't even <laughs> fucking judge me. To continue uh, this runner with the Patriots draft, now that Carla's here, Coach walks up and says, "Hey, the Patriots finally got that linebacker they needed because now he's going by Sam's perspective." She's like, "Are you not? They, they're up to their ears in linebackers." He's like, "That's true. They do have a lot of linebackers." So every time. <laughs> His the way he does it too, like his acting, I think is so great. It's very. I feel um, sorry for him. It's not very over the top. Yeah, he's he does really have a hard time. He just wants to be part of the conversation, but like <laughs> not an antagonist. And every time he talks to someone, they have an opposing view, so he doesn't know how to approach it. He's ten years younger than like when you'd put him in a home and be like, "Grandpa can't live on his own anymore." Like this conversation <laughs> yeah. is uncomfortable. But he's like just young enough that it's like, no, it's okay. He can have an apartment. I was going to say that people don't seem to give him like a like too hard of a time. No, they love him. He's, he's coach. Yeah. Well, that's the good thing about this character, I think, is that not only is he kind of aloof and forgetful, but like nobody gives him shit for it. That's Gordo wondering, like, how come you guys are so mean to me when I'm aloof <laughs> and forget things? <laughs> you know what? They, in, the, in this episode kind of does a lot of like, in a way that didn't bother me, because I think they give every character time to breathe, because you're seeing at this point a lot of characters, one after another, entering, where, you know, I've referenced, I, I always use this as the example, I feel bad to pick it apart, but, like, where news radio just threw people at you so fast that you couldn't, like, you couldn't digest what was happening, but I think, like, they give everyone in Cheers, like, a nice little, like, solo moment to shine before they move on, so you get, like, a nice little vibe of their character. Because they're in and out, too, like, for the aside from, like, the main cast, with news radio, they, like, they stuck around for a minute and like they wanted you to like experience this person for a little longer than you probably needed to. Whereas with cheers, you just kind of like in out done. And then like, if you see him again, you see him again. Well, no, if you remember a news radio, it's like an assembly line. They're literally in a line, like coming in. They were just like screaming names out loud. Just so you at least caught the name. Yeah. They do sort of treat George Ratzenberger like that in this episode though. He gets, he gets the least. He just has a couple quick lines. But I guess if he's like a news radio character, at least he's not. At least George Ratzenberger now isn't in some like deprivation tank somewhere making a billion dollars telling you to eat like alpha brain or whatever. But you don't need everybody to have a big scene in a show like this. You just kind of have to have a vibe for who they are. And I think, you know, when you're talking about his character, when talking about Cliff, who we'll get to in a little while, Cliff, you get a vibe for his personality type just in that short, you know, segment that he has. The one thing he says is his whole character, the whole rest of the show. Yeah. How much of that is us already knowing Cliff, though? Because I feel like that's a huge part of it. You don't need to know in this episode. It's not important if he's a mainstay or not. You know, he he, it does. It's insignificant with all of these characters for the most part, other than like Sam and Diane. Norm so much, and they give Cliff nothing. Uh, question: Who are the breakout actors? in this at the time like is there who's the 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 person that they're billing is this like a well, super Dan's, Ted, 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 Danson. Ted Danson is the star okay. you've just been in creep show and body heat <sighs> I love creep show keeps coming up lately Shelly Long I believe had some credits before but I mean I'm not I'd be lying if I said I knew off the top of my head what she yeah had it's done. gotta be a year before this she's a night shift which is a huge movie with uh the Ron Howard directed movie with um the Fonz and Michael Keaton would have been better if it was Night Court. Winkler. 
You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just about to bring this up. So I literally yesterday, I'm in Milwaukee and I went and see the statue of the Fonz. That's the bronze Fonz, as they call it, which is um, right on the Riverwalk in Milwaukee. And for years, because they used to do a TV land thing where remember they were building statues and putting them like in different cities, you know, in relation to shows. And from that, I remember like emailing or responding to the like survey that they sent out 20 years ago, however long ago it was. And saying, like, you need a Sam Malone statue in front of the Cheers bar. Like, how is that not a thing? I just think it's kind of crazy. And as we, you bring up, you know, breakout stars and how big Ted Danson's character was, the fact that there isn't, like, a bronze Sam Malone in front of the Bull and Finch is, like, so crazy to me. Yeah, we should start that petition. And isn't the Bull and Finch, like, out of the way? Like, it's not a touristy area. But you put it there and people visit it. It's a block from Newbury Street. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And that being said, you don't need it like right in the center of everything. You you create attractions and then people have a reason Fuck to Fuck that. Go Replace there. Paul Revere on the horse in the commons with Ted Danson. Oh, even easier. Fucking get Riding rid of the fucking horse. uh That's George Washington. Get rid of the stupid golden ducks. Well, sure him, but what's the fucking Columbus is already gone if that's what you're going to bring up. Oh, I was gonna say Columbus. Get rid of Columbus, put him there. People will throw less red paint on Sam Malone. But I just thought that was like that was such a such a layup to you when you're thinking of like iconic characters in different cities like how do you not put sam alone in front of a bar in boston no you get him holding a beer and then you put him in front of the bobby Orr statue so bobby Orr looks like he's reaching out for the beer that sam yeah. alone's holding. <laughs> everybody wins because massachusetts already got one and that is samantha from bewitched in salem oh is that what that was a product of was that one of the tv land like statues i don't know no i think that was always that that's old i think i don't think that's from because of tv land it says right under it what it is, but you know, I couldn't tell you for a second. And good call with that, by the way, because I was I was in Salem like a week ago and, and walked right by it. But I don't know. Yeah, I just think more things like that work out, especially when you for tourism and stuff. Not that Boston doesn't have enough touristy stuff, but I don't know. Sam alone deserves a statue, and I think now we need to we need to put that burden on ourselves as a as a podcast that deals with television that's based out of Boston, Sands Joe, who lives in Moose Country. I'm Boston and Hard always. Yeah. Though. But uh, so let's let's try to get that going. We'll, I think we'll if think we combine up. forces of both podcasts, I, I'm pretty sure we could probably get nothing. Yeah, we could get a good petition going. Yeah. Oh my god, there's thousands of signatures. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> why why does Harry Balls keep signing this petition? I don't get it. <laughs> Who's Spook Dukem? Who's Boner? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to keep crossing it out, and being like, I'd prefer a Cliff Clavin statue personally, but. Yeah, I think that's less likely to happen, though. So if we're going to try to get something going, maybe go with the... Uh, Even better, all six people on here's hometown is Winthrop. Do we just petition Winthrop to get a Rhea Perlman tat, uh, statue? I think now we have to, because I think <laughs> she probably lived down down the point. That's such a little statue. It's less bronze, so... It, you yeah, know, it's, it's, short. Cheaper. it's cheaper. You put it right down Coughlin Park. I would be worried about if they build a a Sam Malone statue and put it somewhere just everyone just being so distracted by the beauty of Ted Danson when they walk by yeah. and it might cause car accidents. I also feel like people might be afraid too because his bronze face might bring up people being mad about when he wore blackface that time. Oh. <laughs> like one of the weirdest things that has ever happened. I love you. I love you, Ted Danson, but that was a bad move. Oh. I think he acknowledges that now and it was like, no, it's okay. I'm dating Whoopi Goldberg yeah. and she thinks it's okay. It's like, oh. I also like that his idea of saying I made a bad mistake, I'm sorry, was to also reference another bad mistake he made. Like dating Whoopi Goldberg. All right. 
R.I.P., right? The TV land was responsible for uh, the Samantha statue. Oh, okay. Did you see they vandalized it? I was Googling it, too, and that came up. It's covered in red, and it looks like it's horrifying. Why would you vandalize Samantha from Bewitched? Witchery. Witchery. If someone witch. tried to light the uh, satanic temple on fire, too. I knew about that, yeah, because I've had a friend who was a volunteer there. <laughs> Not to bring down the mood. <laughs> was that weird? <laughs> <laughs> Hail Satan. He, uh, just, it's just like, of like yeah, the volunteer work that goes on there, yeah. <laughs> I imagine that someone signed up for that thinking it was Santa. Come dressed as an elf. Was it Detroit Rock City? It was like same letters, same fucking guy. Gordo, yeah, Gordo, that's you who shows up. It's like, but why are you qualified to work at? Well, I worked at the Christmas Dove for many years. <laughs> I, have I have my reference from, from the Mr. Heat Miser. Miser. <laughs> that's my guy. So, if we want to talk about cheers, so, in any event, they're uh, during this conversation where they're talking earlier about the whole situation with the Patriots draft. Now it's pivoting because uh, they bring up the Red Sox. And this is when we find out that Sam Malone was an actual pitcher for the Red Sox up until owning the bar. So it's brought up like, oh, you know, they would have won if you were in there, Sam. You know, it's it's good because like it's a kind of a common in a sitcom. You have a new character like you have Diane's character entering the world. Right. So they can retell established known things because she doesn't know anything they all know. So it's an easy way to bring these things up. So now Norm can tell Diane, oh, yeah, you don't know. Sam was a pitcher for the Red Sox. Samuel Mayday Malone. I love that nickname, by the way. Mayday Malone is a great nickname. That would work in wrestling, boxing, baseball, football, anything. It's a great nickname. And I don't think anyone's like taken it since as like a, a nickname in any sporting thing that I can think of. If you guys had a sporting nickname, what would you guys choose? As a toughie. Joe, Berg. it's a toughie Sutton. <laughs> yeah, Jay and I both have J names, so we can probably... Well, we already just together. established Joe would be Joey Mopena, I think, what, didn't we? And Jay's Jay Petto. Yeah, Jay oh, yeah, Petto Jay already Petto. exists. <laughs> so yeah, so they're talking about Sam's career as a Red Sox player, and it's discovered that like he no longer plays you know, due to drinking. He said that he had an elbow problem, and he's showing the motion of him moving the, you know, the beer up and down, the pantomime thing. Coach is saying how great he was and how he coached him when he was in AA Pawtucket and then with the Red Sox. So now we know why Coach is called Coach. He's an, he was an actual coach. It's not just a clever nickname. Yeah, we're getting a lot of backstory with a lot of these guys. Do you guys do you guys know that Sam Malone's character is actually based on a actual baseball player by the name of Sam McDowell? He was a pitcher I did for not know that he was a pitcher for four different teams: uh, Indians and uh, Yankees, and uh, the Giants, and one other team. He basically drank himself out of baseball and he just had like a bunch of failed business adventures and he lost all his not that he was like a big time pitcher anyways but he would invest his money in like different restaurants and bars and everything and he would lose all his money because he would just basically drink his profits away i mean wade boggs could do it why can't these people wade boggs could drink in a way that normal humans cannot drink I will also say, though, we do have a history in Boston of Red Sox pitchers just being, like, the worst dudes ever. It's like Roger Clemens is like, I'm going to be an all-star. Can somebody point me in the way of a 13-year-old country singer? And you're like, why, Roger <laughs> Clemens? You meant so much to me as a kid. Say it ain't so. And, yeah, and I, and I, I want to get back a little bit, too, because I did glance past the um, Norm entering because Norm was the guy who first brings up that he's uh, Sam's a former Red Sox player. Norm... 
he's just like a, a bar patron. There's not a, we don't know a lot about him. It looks like he's straight from work when he enters the place. George went. Was it established at any point in this episode what he does? No, it doesn't. I don't think it get it gets established till like years later on what he yeah. does. He was a big one for me as a kid too because he was in two of the movies I watched so much when I was a little kid: Gung Ho and Fletch. I love Fletch. He's great in Fletch, he, but he's so great in Gung Ho because he basically plays like drunk Norm but mean who has to like turn it around and not be a racist by the end. Gung Ho is, which is also, is that also a Ron Howard movie? Gung Ho, I think it might be. I think it might be because uh, you also get Clint Howard and um, Michael Keaton in it, and that's after Night Shift. So may have to look that up. But if anybody hasn't seen Gung Ho in a while, Gung Ho rules. The sequel to that was Tally Ho. Yes. Was the prequel about Don Ho? Yes, it took place in Hawaii. Yeah, yes, it is Ron Howard, by the way. It is Ron Howard? Okay, yeah. makes sense. I love when Norm um, walks into the bar and Coach and Sam scream at the top of their lungs. And they're like, <laughs> Norm! Yeah, they're very, very excited to serve him a bunch of $1 beers the whole night. And that that right there gets like, it almost shows you the type of camaraderie that they have at this at this bar. Where it's like, you are welcomed here. Was that like an every time he walks in thing? Or every was that, single, every yeah. single time yep. from here on in, from episode one to episode 942, they, they, they scream Norm. And I, I'm, almost, I'm almost certain that he is like one of the only characters that gets his name screamed when he walks into the bar. They have to keep him appreciated because he's probably the one keeping the place open with all of his yeah. business. He's what Barney is. He doesn't the pay most, for anything. Like, he never he pays for tab. anything. He is Barney. He is Barney from The Simpsons. His his tab, it's an ongoing tab for years. When you look at when you look at things like that with a lot of these characters, though, that's what makes it more realistic. Why are they screaming his name when he walks in? Because it's an inside thing that they have. Just right. like we have things with our friends like that. And other bars, I'm sure, you know, Dave, you, you know, you've been in the industry for a while. There there are just things like that in certain patrons and things that are Unique to that, that you have to be on the end to kind of get it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what's funny is there are some regulars that walk into the bar that I am like legitimately excited to see. So when I see someone else, I'll, I'll be like, hey, it's Norm, you know, and and the bar could be full of people or it could be empty and I'll still say their name just because it's like, hey, man, good to see you. I got to assume that guys like him in real life have never had to pay for a drink ever since this show came out. Oh, oh! I'm sure George Went walks into any bar and he just goes, a thank you, and a bunch of beers. He walks into the bar, everybody screams Norm, and then he drinks for free for the rest of the night. Yeah. I will say, I want to ask you this, Dave. Is everybody in this show a terrible bartender, though? Because every time they pour a beer, it is half head. It is half head. The, the one funny thing, though, in the show, in the entire run of the show, is that they are actually always working. Someone's always cutting fruit. Someone's always polishing a glass. Someone's always doing something. I did, I did notice Sam consistently is refilling, uh, what's her name, champagne glass. Right. Like, even when it's not empty, he consistently fills it. The beer always has a huge head on it, Joe, because it's actually salted because under the hot lights in the studio, the like, regular non-alcoholic beer would um, just go flat, and it just looks like yellow piss water, basically. Oh, interesting. So it's a salted beer, and it keeps the head on the beer intentionally. So that's why it's got a lot of head on it. I love watching beer in movies and, and TV shows and the weird things they do. The two I always think of are uh, 
One is a really good one. In James Bond, License to Kill, they go to a beach bar and he's like, I'll have a beer with a lime. And they bring over two bottles of Budweiser with literally three quarters of a lime just shoved into it. We're like, <laughs> first of all, that's not a thing. Second of all, who is, what, what's happening here? And the other is Charles Bronson in uh, Mr. Majestic. He's like, he just pours salt and he's like, you put salt in the beer. And I looked it up one day and was like, what the fuck is he doing? And they're like, oh, it makes more head. And I was like, who wants more head in their beer? Who wants salty, shitty domestic beer? A lot of people do that with Narragansett. To make it taste less like blood? Well, they they ask for the salt shaker with the Narragansett. And I'll just see them. They'll pour salt inside the Narragansett. Like, it's nothing. To make it taste less like Narragansett. Probably. I love shitty American beer, but Narragansett just tastes like you just licked iron. Yeah, but Joe, like, I thought you liked more head in your beer. Didn't you have a, a shirt that says, give me head till I'm dead? Isn't that what that means? That's what that means, right? Yeah, it's a, basically a beer shirt. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get back to Norm because they, again, we do the Patriots thing. So now it's like, oh, what do you think about the Patriots draft? And the, now coach is going, oh, they need linebackers like I need antlers because now he's just re, you know, telling Carla's perspective. And then Norm's like, you know, that new linebacker, I think they're going to, that's going to put him in the Super Bowl. He's like, yeah, he'll probably do that. Like, it, again, he's just more, and it just, I don't know, it got me every time it happened. And he goes, I got an awful headache all of a sudden. It's just like all this flipping back and forth. He doesn't know how to take it one way or another. And now it's really getting to him. He's tragic. He just wants to fit in. It really makes me feel bad for him. My two weird favorite moments in this entire series happen next, which is where Diane finally is like, where's the bathroom? And coach goes next to my bedroom. That is, <laughs> yeah, that got yeah, me. Yeah. The fucking best line of the entire episode. Because it wasn't meant to be like dirty. It was him just. Not understanding the question, uh, which is what makes it so nice. But did you guys notice when, I mean, we'll go back into this scene or whatever, but I just want to mention because I'll forget. When Diane comes out of the bathroom and everyone claps for her, Norm hits her on the back and like a celebratory oh, yeah. on the back. <laughs> and she goes fucking flying. <laughs> yeah. He hits her so hard that I was like, oh no, he hit her so fucking hard. <laughs> I don't know, Rick. You hit it kind of hard yeah. that time. <laughs> he hit her again. We need to backtrack just a tad, though, because we are a little ahead on that one. Because I, I, I do want to go back to the finding out that Sam owns the bar because it goes into the whole, like, well, if you were drunk, why is it that you bought a bar? It was like, well, I bought it while I was a drunk. Why do you still own it? Well, sentimental reasons. Right. It is interesting. Like, the idea of, you know, for guys now, I think they said three years he's gone without drinking to be, you know, in a bar setting, you know, day and night, it's an interact, it's an interesting perspective on a show to create a character like that who's a non-drinker who's in a bar all day. Right, right, and the fact that like he's constantly tempted by everything all day long. It could be a, an easily dark premise. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, like you find out through he finds his addictions in other avenues where it's women instead of booze now. The other line I want to um I, I didn't want to pass by because we had gotten ahead of it was Norm sitting at the bar and looking at Diane and he's like, Yo, miss, what are you reading? A book? <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like it wasn't like he was asking specifically what book are you reading? He was wondering what is it that you're reading from? Like the, what what is that object you're holding? A book? What about what about the, the part where the phone rings and coach picks up? And he yells, coach yells out in the bar. He goes, is Ernie something? I, I forget. I forget his last name. They go, that's you coach. He goes, oh yeah. 
And he just goes, speaking. See, I didn't like that line. Like, like the thing I was saying earlier about him being him being too stupid to function. That he, was... doesn't know, he doesn't know his name. Like, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It's just a little too far for me. There's always like that one line that's like a little less realistic. That's that's probably the line that's the least likely to happen if this was a real right. thing that happened that day. But yeah, we talked about her running over to the bathroom, and this is the whole there now that she's gone. Everyone is asking about her, and this is when it comes up. Well, first, coach is like, "Oh, she's a hooker," because <laughs> that's what he believed to be true. And finally, Sam does admit the situation and mentions the um, she's about to get married in Barbados. So when she comes back from the bar, yes, this is when everyone's just clapping for her. And, you know, it's it's not meant with sarcasm. They're legitimately congratulating her for this thing. But she's mortified because she doesn't want people to know anything, which I don't know. I guess from her perspective, I don't know why she was so everything had to be so veiled with her. Like, I know she doesn't want to be part of this. It but is a bunch of strangers. Like, I kind of get it. She's just a suck up bitch. Or do you think that deep down inside that she knows that? Whatever is going on with her and Sumner is wrong. It depends how how far away is the wife's apartment. Because at this point, I thought many, many hours have passed. And I was shocked to find out at this point that it's only been about an hour. I'm like, why is she so impatient? Like, there's nothing that close in Boston. Well, because they did that, like, they do that fade where they, like, get into, like, yeah, it looks like a lot of time has passed. But we find out, is what did we miss? Yeah, like, it's around an hour. An hour, which is, like, nothing. See, I think that it's because she, I, I don't think Cheers is kind of her her vibe. No, absolutely not. No, obviously like, not. I don't know if it's Sumner's vibe either. No, of course not. Neither of their vibe. I just think it's one of those, why was it such a big deal if anyone knows anything about you at all? Like, you can be in peace, like, and have people not bother you. But the idea of, I don't want anyone to know anything about me, to be mortified at this group of people who just found out that you're engaged, essentially, that's... Not the biggest deal, but also you know what people never do in bars lie about their lives. Well, absolutely. You you could just you know be like, my name's Susan and I'm a fucking stewardess or whatever. You know what I mean? Like people would have been like, that's who she is, and never questioned it once. Like she lost the point of being able to just get away from it. So we talk about how it flashed forward, and yeah, like you said, Fergus, it was only an hour, but yeah. they make it look like it was much later, which was something that kind of flagged me too. Why it, it just seems strange. There's a weird time thing in this whole episode. When you mentioned earlier, Jay, where like Sam comes in at the very beginning and you're seeing him. I even wrote down, I was like, is this the beginning of the day or the end of the day? Yeah, I'm thinking it was like yeah, noonish or so. Like I was like, what time is this right. bar? But there's open, still you know? empty glasses all over the bar and on the tables. I know bartenders working or waiters, yeah. I think is at certain points throughout the episode, the bar is just empty and Sam is cleaning up. And then yeah. 20 people walk in. And that happens at least twice that I know of. I'm like, is, yeah. is he closing? Is he open? I don't understand what's happening. Right. Because even at the end, when Norm takes gets home, taken out by coach, Norm's like, do you want to stop at a bar on the way home? So you know it's at least before two. It's not closing I, time. I right. think he's just opening because coach and Kyla both just come in. Right, but that means that whoever closes sh- is a shitty closer because there's fucking glasses everywhere. Yeah. Sloppy, sloppy work. He could work by himself and then like, oh, you know, I bring in other people for the lunch rush or whatever like that. One thing I thought was weird. This happens at another point, too, that I'll bring up later on. Coach asks Norm if he wants another beer. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll have one more quick one. Thanks. And you get like that laughter from the crowd. And I don't know if this was studio audience or not. I assume this was canned laughter. 
Like, I didn't see what was funny about that. It was There was nothing funny about him saying, yeah, I'll have one more beer. That's an episode two laugh. That's not episode one laugh. You don't know his character yet. At this point, he didn't say it. This is the first time he's saying it, so it's not funny. Yeah, like, you don't know who he is yet. You don't know that he's a... He's just a guy at the bar, and they say, hey, do you want one more? And he said, yeah, sure, I got time for one. I didn't, like, I didn't catch the joke. Do you think that was added in syndication? No, I think that's straight from the original episode, yeah. Yeah, I think they're just looking to add canned laughter in points, and I just thought that was a strange time to do it. it it just didn't fit for me right there also a weird thing to bring up too this episode is 24 minutes and 58 seconds long a little long yeah for a standard sitcom which is crazy because that means there was only five minutes of commercials in this yeah there was thing. just less commercials back then is all but yeah that's that's true too like that 22 minute format probably hadn't kicked in yet in 1982 it's just funny i never thought of it until we started doing this show but when i see how long an episode is with the commercials taken out if I see anything over 20 minutes, it's a modern show. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is going to be a slog. And, and you know what? It's funny because that's where you think that like the time frame of the whole episode is is kind of off because you know that it's only a half hour episode or 24, 22 minutes. And the fact that like the bar's empty, bar's full, bar goes back to empty, and then bar fills up again. You're like, what, what fucking day is this? You're like, how long is this day and when did it start? And then it's only uh, an entire hour has gone by. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, it's not that much time in the big picture of it. Yeah, it just didn't. I'm glad you actually pointed that out because of what I, I said earlier, that it was only an hour. A giant crowd came and filled the bar and then left Yeah, <laughs> in less than an hour. Because I think that, that Ted Danson is coming in around like the typical bartender shift at four o'clock. So these people are coming for like the equivalent of a happy hour because we're Puritans and we don't have that here. But they come in for after work drinks and then they leave. And that's pretty typical. I mean, Dave, that's got to be typical, yeah. right? Like rushes like that on weekdays, especially on a weekday, like a Tuesday. Yeah, there's two different there's two different rushes. There's like in the bar I'm at, there's a 6.30 dinner rush, and then everyone comes in for an hour, drinks, eats, leaves, and then there's an 8.30 where everyone comes in for like a nightcap during the week, maybe like some kind of late food, and then they leave after an hour. So, so that's like, interesting, actually, because does that mean that we're essentially just seeing the night shift at Shears. Like maybe there's a whole day shift crew of people that we've never seen before. And Shears day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like maybe there's just like a whole other sitcom out there waiting to happen. And again, like I worked in downtown Boston for a billion years. We've all worked down there and I worked opening shift on Boylston street, a block away from this bar, like opening, opening shift. My job started at six 30 in the morning. The amount of people I'd imagine would be going to get drunk at that bar at noon in that area in 1982 would be a different show that'd be really fun to watch uh question it's hooked up to a hotel correct no it's a restaurant oh i thought it was a hotel and then there's supposedly offices and i i think it's just office space upstairs and i think nowadays it's just um like brownstone condos right yeah yeah I don't even think there's a restaurant upstairs. I think it's all. I think that whole top level of the. I actually is. think the the restaurant died with COVID. Did it really? I think so. They should build a house above it and let Ted Danson live there. And then every once in a while, he comes down for like free food and drinks, and then like greets the crowd and then goes back up. He should just be the mayor of Boston. I'd vote for him. Yeah, no voting. Just like President. we're all like, okay, sure. What if, yeah. what if it's him versus Sexy Frank? Who do you vote for? Ah, oh, don't do Horny that. Horny Frank. Horny Frank. Sexy Ted Danson. If it's, <laughs> if it's Mayor Sexy Boston. Ted Danson, Horny Frank. My you gotta bad. go. We need to make like a boxing poster of Horny Frank versus Sexy um, I could tell you. I could tell you in 2022, Ted Danson and Patrick Duffy have aged very differently. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Duffy looks terrible. We should just make a campaign, a campaign shirt, Dancing Duffy, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> Double D's in 2022. I'm all for it. Let's go. D's nuts. I knew you were gonna say that before you even said it. I yeah, I made a joke and was like, oh, he's gonna fucking seize on this. Just like I see D's nuts dragging oh, across well. your face. Wait for it. No, not yet. There it is. <laughs> so we get a little bit from Carla and Diane at this point because we flash forward in time a little and Carla's telling her, why don't you just make a run for it? And she says, you're a bitter little person, aren't you? And then we get a little bit of Carla's backstory. And she said, and you know, fuck you-, you. You don't know her enough to call her bitter. I fucking hate Diane. <laughs> I guess in that moment. Well, there's an air of sarcasm that comes with Carla when she talks. So I can see how it's perceived a certain way. But yeah, Carla starts telling her, well, you'd be bitter too. You know, uh, her husband left her and her four kids. And she said that, you know, she was paying his way through school, you know, by hustling drinks. <laughs> and when Diane says, what school did he attend? Oh, the Coletti Academy. It's a TV repair school. <laughs> and the minute he graduated, he left her. And he said that he wouldn't fit in. Uh, she wouldn't fit in with the other repairman's wives. <laughs> like there's like a little social circle. You know, Back in that time, that's a pretty lucrative job. It's actually. a good job, yeah. Yeah, like Shelly, uh, uh, yeah. um, Diane kind of like looks down on it. I mean, she looks down on everything. Honestly, she thinks she's better than everybody. But at that point, that's probably a pretty good money job. There's got to be like a Teespring Coletti Academy shirt already out there, right? If not, the uh, coming soon. And if not, yeah, we can we can get on top of that ourselves. I wonder if, I wonder if that's why they brought Fraser in eventually because she kind of gets like humbled in time, and like I wonder if they brought that. The pretentious him in to like fill the pretentious role, maybe like they needed to have a pretentious character to oh, be. Oh, Nick, there, you bring you know? up a good point. Like she's looking down on other people for what they do for work. Meanwhile, she doesn't even have a fucking job. Yeah, true. She's a TA, isn't she? But she's essentially just a student. Yeah, but, you know, I, I didn't even think of that. that dude's banging his student. What a dick. <laughs> oh yeah, everything about Sumner is bad. He's not a likable character. You yeah, know? yeah, you yeah. not like yeah. him. I like that. Uh, Carl also adds that you know. He's not all bad because he fixes a TV uh, for just parts. <laughs> like yeah. he, he doesn't charge labor, at least, you know. Right. Tubes are expensive, man, especially in the 80s. Tubes aren't cheap. All I could think of during this conversation was that TV repair store on the corner in Winthrop. That, yeah, like, there used to be one forever time. Was... Until, like, until TVs went digital and like then that store was just always empty and the guy was in there sad. It's like... Aww. You can't laugh through the way you tell that story. You yeah, have to like you're laughing at you have that. to wait to present it to make it funny, and you chose the depressing route and still <laughs> yeah. laugh through it, which just makes you it. makes you sound evil. <laughs> and the guy just became like a weird Geppetto, where he was like gluing legs to TVs in the back room. Being Ferg like, has done this before, and I can't remember what it was in reference to, but he just like giggled through a super sad thing. He's like it's a defense mechanism, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Inside, he's really sad. Remember that guy who, in our town, his life's work went to shit because technology changed, and he just sat in his empty <laughs> shop all day. <laughs> I never met him, but in my head, he's got like a very comical Italian accent. It's like nobody come in to fix it, the TV no more. How come nobody so comes just happy anymore? He built a boy out of old TV parts. <laughs> I love you. I make you a double wide penis. Yeah, use the two tubes. (laughs) What? (laughs) Wouldn't you? Maybe he's responsible for making Small Wonder. There you go. No, No, that was a serial killer that made Small Wonder. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was Richard Ramirez who created Small Wonder. I'd use a uh, tuna can. (laughs) Pardon? For the pee-pee. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me on. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about TV parts, though. Why would a tuna can be part of a television repair shop? Also, why would you want a small? Why would you want a really small fat dick? Like <laughs> the girth is worth it. Go ahead and check out iapradio.com. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Dave's screen just goes black. <laughs> so now there's a point where Carl is taking an order, but she mentions to everyone at the bar that the table in the back is arguing about what the sweatiest movie ever made was. <laughs> I thought that was such a great, like, relatable conversation. It's so dumb. It makes no sense. But how many times have we had these conversations? And the movies that are coming up are like Rocky Two, Body Heat, Ben-Hur, Alien. Body Heat, which is Ted Danson. I have to ask, we have to get into it, right? Can you guys think of a sweatier movie? When it happened, I was like, oh, we were going to talk about this. I have the sweatiest movie of all time. Let's uh, hear Das Boot. Oh. Has nobody seen Das Boot? No. No. Did you think we all saw Das Boot? It's a huge no. movie. Is it a huge movie? It is a huge movie. I hate what's <laughs> happened. <laughs> you question me with that fucking tone. Yeah. Look up Das Boot. It's like a humongous historical movie, and it's from it's, the 80s. It's a huge movie. I know I have not seen it, but Joe's right. It's a huge movie. Thank you. Das Boot is like a four-hour submarine epic about World War II. It's a humongous movie. Right, but at the end of the movie, these dudes end up. The submarine ends up actually crashing to the bottom of the ocean, and they're like trying to get it back up again. That's not sweat. That's water. No, no, there's no <laughs> water in yet. But they're trying. They're running out of oxygen, and everyone's so sweaty and so wet and so matted down. It's by far the sweatiest movie. I will say though, what comes in later as the oh yeah, I want to wait for that because I love how yeah. it, how it comes up. We'll get into that. That in a is a very good contender. So wait, I'm but, going with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that one's so sweaty. What about 12 Angry Men? That's a good sweaty one, too. Yeah, we even think about Southern pre-air uh, pre yeah. conditioning movies. So at the time, because it's 82, the movie's not out yet, so Norm brings up Rocky 2. Rocky 4 is so much sweatier. Rocky 4 is very sweaty. Rocky 2 is pretty sweaty, too, though. Rocky 3 is sweatier than 2. I think each Rocky movie is sweatier than the next. So in Rocky 4, though, the scene where Ivan Drago fights Apollo Creed, and like Apollo's coming out like the lights that are hovering over the ring, it feels hot. Like, it feels hot. You can just, like, everyone's glistening from the heat of those lights. Including James Brown, who is just on so much fucking crack that his body yeah. is just burning in the sun from it. <laughs> yes, but are those movies that sweaty when it's two characters sweating? I guess, like, what are we judging by? Sweatiest scenes, overall sweat count? I know we're going to get into it, but I, I totally agree with Sumner. Sumner, I think, is pretty spot on, yeah. No, In the Heat of the Night. That's a very sweaty movie as well. That's a sweaty movie. Yeah. Again, those like non-air-conditioned... I mean, also, Fletch Lives, the sequel to Fletch, also yeah. equals a very sweaty movie. Down in Louisiana. So I cheated, and I googled sweatiest movies of all time. Of course, I knew you did. Give us a top five. In the Heat of the Night. Hold on, who made this list? Who made this list? Google. Uh, Entertainment.time.com. <laughs> so no, time. Google. <laughs> In the Heat of the Night, Rear Window, Dog Day Afternoon, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, A Time to Kill, Stray Dog, and Twelve Angry Men. Yeah. yeah. All right, we got ones on the list. Yeah. What about the movie Heavyweights? They were pretty sweaty and heavyweights. Well, I mean, they were just fat. Yeah, they that were fat. People forced was to work out. I wouldn't say it was, they were overly sweaty, though. It wasn't like a... I, I don't remember it in that way. I'll say also, uh, this is post the movie, it's on a TV show, but did anybody watch Chernobyl on HBO? Yes. Yes. No. No. 
I will say there's a lot of Chernobyl where I would classify as like the sweatiest I've ever seen. Uh, the sweat conversation is when we do finally meet Cliff. Cliff is the uh, postman that's at the bar. He's coming in just because as they're speaking of sweat, he has a nice little fun sweat fact. I love his accent. George Rassenberger is a, a fun 80s character actor. He, and I guess we probably all know him or people mostly would know him now from Toy Story, I guess. Uh, every Pixar movie. Every Pixar movie, yeah. We've I've talked about this with Dave. I think that puts him in contention for the wealthiest Cheers member. It has to. You got pick. You got you got the back end on Cheers and fucking every Pixar Toy Story movie. Like that I would has say to... maybe, but I feel like Dancing must make more off of Dancing. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Working... All right. So the most money with least amount of work involved is John. Least Hattie amount Hattie. of work for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, now it's probably Rhea Perlman for getting half of Danny DeVito's money. <laughs> yeah, Rhea Perlman signed a document for divorce and made a lot more money. Than I don't a think lot they were money. ever actually married. Were they? I think they were. I yeah. thought they were. Were they? Because uh... I don't think they were. I mean, I'm not 100% sure now that you make me question it. I also feel like, oddly, Canadian Bacon comes up in this podcast all the time, and I just really want to watch that now. No, you bring it up. Joe brings it up, which is why it comes up. Rhea Perlman, star of Canadian Bacon. Is that John Candy's last film? No, I think, sadly, Almost Famous was his last film, which is way more depressing than Canadian Bacon. Uh, Did you also, also, did you know the um, John Ratzenberger's quick, stupid facts are almost all ad-libbed? Like, he comes up with them, like, they would write in the script, like, Ratzenberger fact about whatever topic, and he would come up with it. No shit. And he's just written. that funny. Yeah. That's, see, that's awesome. But is he looking up actual, is he looking up actual facts and reciting them No, they're them never right. Or? These things aren't right. Like, he's, <laughs> he's never, like, they're never accurate facts. No, because, obviously, I know we're going to get into it, but, like, what he talks about uh, the first time we meet Cliff, he talks about the sweat glands of women compared to men yeah, it's so off yeah <laughs> and it's so obvious that he <laughs> yeah he says that they have fewer but they're larger and more active and that's why uh we're more superior uh, than women you know he's got that little jfk accent he does he's obviously doing a kennedy accent but yeah. it works so well it does because it's like a less educated kennedy almost or which kennedy. is ted kennedy <laughs> well i mean ratzenberger's <laughs> still alive so how dumb is he I didn't. Oh, he's not. alive and he is <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. Pivoting from um, the sweat talk is when Sumner finally comes back and Diane walks up and she's like, oh, thank God, these, these men have been arguing over the sweatiest movie ever made. And just right away, without skipping a beat, Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. Does everyone's like, oh, a that's beat. a good one. That's the funniest part of that whole delivery. He's just like, oh, Diane, I'm here. And then it's like, boom. I loved it because typically I wouldn't like it for the same reason I like it. It's a total character break. Yeah. Right? right. He's so proper and everything like that. And then as soon as it's like, oh, the, all these guys are just talking about the sweatiest movies, like, oh, Cool Hand Luke. And he just becomes a normal guy for a second and then goes back to being Sumner. What I think is interesting about this, though, too, is that like him saying this, you're not that removed from Cool Hand Luke. You're only 15 years removed from it. Boy, can't he know 50 eggs. It, right, but now, <laughs> if you look at it, you're like, Cool Hand Luke is considered like this masterpiece of American cinema. Right, so like when you take your own time and move past where they were a little bit, like it's kind of interesting to see him being like, like that character now makes more sense saying that than he did then, because Cool Hand Luke is thought of as like this masterpiece of cinema of the '60s. In a lot of ways, to like think about it too, it almost is like the break in exposing that Sumner's like a bullshit artist, doesn't it? Yeah, because he's so proper and the way he words and in, in quotes poets when he's talking to Diane and when he's on the phone with his ex. 
But then when push comes to shove, when it's just like guy talk comes up, all of a sudden he's not that guy. He's just part of the conversation and normal for a second. Yeah, he's a regular guy who knows what a Paul Newman movie is. Oh, by the way, I just looked it up. They were married. I mean, they still are married. Are they still they're just, married? They're just separated. They've been separated for a long time. Yeah, I was, there's a whole article about it. That's why I was quiet for a little while. I was reading. They could both do better. As of April, they're still together. What does that mean? They can both do better. They're great together. But you know what? If the if the you know if uh, Danny and Rhea are listening, you know you do whatever's good for you guys. You I know? hope they're happy. I'm just saying there's probably somebody out there who is happy to be with both of them. They are happy and they remain friends. Do you think their article. house is like a smaller Tiny. sized house than normal houses, so they can reach the top shelf? As a short person, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> well dave i think you're by far the tallest person in this i mean like i'm five seven which is not super tall but i'm taller than i think i'm taller than nick and gordo but ferg and jay are taller than me i'm i'm 11 s- i'm like six two on a good day yeah, yeah you're like a real person fuck off bud. <laughs> uh no uh at the time of my birth i think i was right around average the world just fucking started drinking too much hormone milk and then all of a sudden everyone started skyrocketing i uh i am constantly short shamed by dave by that's not it's, oh, it's a, oh whoa, whoa, whoa back up then back up because in our chat i'm constantly fat shamed uh, it's, it's reactionary it's only reactionary Listen, i'm only dishing it because I'm punching i can take up. it and i sent you nick i sent you the fucking link to get your legs long all right <laughs> there's a surgery now yeah. that you can get the extenders in your leg save up your money and go get it all right be i've a seen tall guy. i've seen things about that before it looks oh, terrible you can just wear some platform shoes yeah <laughs> or stilts um i will say danny devito i believe is still shorter than anyone on this podcast he's standing at 410 but he's handsome as fuck about the only person i'm taller than yeah, I was going to say, so 410 is pretty short. It's pretty short. That's a little person territory. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Why do little people, why do little people always have those high-pitched voices? Coming in like the lollipop game right, for yeah. some reason. <laughs> <laughs> so now that someone is back to Diane saying, well, did you get the ring? And he's like, you know, that woman's extraordinary. Uh, I couldn't take it. He's like, well, we have a plane to catch. He's like, and he's basically telling her that when he's talking to his ex, that he kind of like was developing old feelings again. And he's like back involved with her. Yeah. Surprise, surprise, though. I want to see her. But in fairness, he's being honest. And Diane's one is like, we'll talk about it on the flight. Like he's saying, I want to get back with my wife. And you're going, no, don't worry about it. We're getting married. I mean, that's a that's a free trip to Barbados, though. But that's that's a little on her at that point, right? Because Sumner is obviously like a slimy character, but he is being honest in the moment here about what's going on, and she's the one who's saying, "No, come with me, anyways." Right. I will she's say in this denial. situation, I don't know if you guys will agree. I know that both Dave and Gordo are in a similar situation where they're married. Did you use a family ring or did you buy a ring? Bought one. I bought one. Same here. You yeah. know why? You eliminate a lot of weirdness when you're like. This is yours from Jump Street. Oh, yeah. Like, if we ever get whatever happens, obviously, we hope it doesn't, but, like... Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, that makes it extra hard. I'm glad I never had that scenario. So he's telling her, like, I can't fly to Barbados when I'm this confused. And she's like, okay, the pilot knows the way. <laughs> so it's like, so in it, like, I don't know if she's just, like, rushing him or it's innocence, but she's, uh... No, she's in total denial. Yeah. Yeah, she's in a bad spot. Yeah. 
he is a little swooned by her in this moment. He's like, you know what? Let's go to Barbados. That's fine. <laughs> There's a phone call and Carla picks up and she's like, hold on. And she looks at Sumner. And she's like, your name isn't Sumner, is it? And he's like, yes, it is. And he just starts, she just starts dying laughing. And is it, I couldn't tell if she thought that the fact that his name is Sumner, Sumner Sloan is funny or if she like loves knowing that this is going to escalate the situation. I think a little column A, a little column B. I, 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 yeah, she I died. think Ferg's right. I think, I think it's a two-part uh, joke for her. I think she likes yeah. the fact that it's going to be killing Diane and the fact that he has a weird name. You also, you also left out before that. She goes, who's here? <laughs> for, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The bar. <laughs> right. That part was great. We find out the wife is, or the ex-wife of Sumner is on the phone and now is agreeing to give him the ring, essentially. Um, but that doesn't make that much sense, right? Because he left without taking it because he wanted to be with her again. I also feel like if you went to your ex-wife, you're no longer together, and you were like, this is my grandmother's ring, give me the ring back, you're a real shithead if you don't say yes. It sounded like he didn't have the heart to ask her, it's kind of how I took it, but then she called about she called about the ring, but he might be lying about what he's on the phone with. I think we're just I, denying the fact that he just went over his ex-wife's house to bang her, because they were- yep. Yeah, they definitely had- I would just say yeah, the same thing, they just fucking banged it out for an hour. Yeah, and yeah he, was, he didn't come right back, yeah. Yeah. He did come right back. Oh. But so, if they did bang, why did she call back to give the ring? I don't think she called back to give the ring. I think she called back to be like, you were right. We should go to Barbados tonight. Because it sounded like, yeah, it sounded kind of like, did you tell her? Yeah, I think he was lying about the conversation. She, yeah, because he said she understands and I understand. And then he says, I'll be right over. So there is a point where she might just be saying like, did you tell her that we're back? And then he could have been like, yep, she understands and I'm heading right over. So we don't know. He might just be lying again to Diane once he gets off the phone. But now he's like, oh, she agreed to give me the ring. So now we have to head back now. Like, I'll be back again. And while he's on, his, and she's like, we don't have time for this. And he's like, just catch, you know, change our reservations to a later flight. This is a, this is a got me once shame on you. Got me of twice course, shame yeah. on me thing. Yeah. Like, why would she not go with him the second time? Like, like a minute ago, he's telling her I want to be with my ex again. So like the fact that He's even going there again should be a big red flag. But what are you going to do in this moment? He's pretty insistent on it. Also, how many flights from Boston go to Barbados a day? That's like not a yeah. standard flight. It's like he's just like, I want to go to Orlando. It's like Barbados isn't like make it later. That's tomorrow. I don't, I don't like your tone when you said Orlando. <laughs> you know my thoughts on Orlando. We're not going to get into it. Thank you for all Florida listeners. As he's about to walk out the door, he's like, Sumner? He's like, yeah. It's like, how about a kiss? Like, maybe I'll play it by ear. So he's even saying to her, I might be kissing my ex-wife. He doesn't there. even kiss her goodbye. Because he, he thinks he's talking about the ex who he's planning on potentially kissing when he gets there. For me, it's honestly those stupid one-liners that really got the best uh, of my laughter. Like, when when he says uh, the thing about, you know, the, the Barbados, and she goes, well, I think the pilot knows the way. And then where it's like, you know, how about a kiss? Well, you know, uh, we'll see. You know, it's just the, it's the innocence of the stupidity where it's like, you know, you know, right off the bat that this guy's a piece of shit anyways, like even from the beginning of the episode to go beyond that too. Um, and to look at all the jokes in here, what I really like about him is all these jokes are very quick yeah, and played very straight and they're not these big, we recently covered the big bang, uh, theory where everything is made for this big pause for laughter, right? Where these are just, they're just kind of getting through them. And I like that. Although, as we say, they, there's these laugh tracks that are kicking in, not during jokes too, so a little confusing. But I think they play the jokes the right way that you're 
you're laughing because it's funny and not because you're being told to laugh. You also got to remember that she's not tr- letting go because it's not just like he's leaving her. It's That's uprooting her entire life. That's her job. That's her. I assume they live together if they're about to get married. I don't know. Though. No, I think she lives no. alone. But they probably talked about like moving together. And when he walks out after that whole kiss uh, conversation, you just get the shot of everybody at the bar staring at her and like just like the daggers like imagine that feeling in that moment is so uncomfortable yeah that would be awful yeah <laughs> also like living in a city your entire lives there are so many bars at that point i would have like picked up my shit walked <laughs> half a block down <laughs> yeah. to a different bar go right next door yeah but like the next bar over on the same block and then like no one knows the scenario here staying there is kind of her own fault also you're supposed to feel bad for her but she broke up a marriage so fuck her right when she had come into her I don't think she knew. We don't know specifically. It just makes the most sense. Oh, I know. All right. That's a tale tale as old as time. All right. The problem is they end up buying a house upstate in New York and everything falls apart. (laughs) I love that movie. (laughs) Oh, that's one of my favorite. Money Pit is the greatest movie ever. The biggest fear ever when I bought a house. I was like, please don't be the money pit. Please don't be the money pit. We have a little flash forward from that scene and we get to later in the day again. And this is when Coach is saying that he's going to leave. And this is an interesting part because this is another time where something funny happens, but the laughter is before it. So he's like, hey, Sam, I'm going to head out. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going home to my book. And they ask, oh, still working on that novel? Yeah, coming on six, uh, six years now. I got a feeling I might finish it tonight. Laughs. Why is there a laugh here? Right. As of right now, he's just saying, I'm going home to finish my book. I might finish it tonight. Ha ah. Right. You should just assume he's working on a novel. That's not right. funny. And then it's, oh, you're writing a novel? No, reading one. There's the Now laugh. there's the yeah, laugh. There's the like, laugh. Yeah. And I, as I'm watching it, I'm like, why are they laughing when he's saying he might finish his book tonight? Like, what's, what's the joke here? So after that whole reading a book thing comes up, it's the um, Norm's there, and Norm's like asleep at the bar at this point. Now you get the screaming for Norm. And maybe that's where the yelling his name out comes from, because maybe they always have to like wake him up, and that became like a joke. That's a sloggy drunk, too. Like, a so much just beer you passed out drunk is, like, a that's an uncomfortable And what I can only assume is, like, a few hours, right, that since he's been at the bar. And we just assume he's drinking draft. Old, like, like a four percenters from back then. Yeah, nothing crazy. Yeah, so he's just, just slugging them the whole night. I've seen you fall asleep at bars, Jay. For being sleepy. <laughs> yeah, but also to be fair, Jay's drinking like 90 Bach IPAs most of the time, too. Uh, yeah. Not back then. No, but back then I drank a lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> to make up for the lack of ABV that these modern beers have. But I remember yeah. once we were at a party where Jay bought a 30 rack of Red Dog, and I was like, why are you drinking that? He's like, well, no one can steal my beer, because who'd buy Red Dog? And I was like, that's the worst. The story's accurate. Red Dog, I don't think I ever actually had. It was for sure a Red Dog. Uh, Jay once fell asleep at a strip club during my bachelor party. That is true. (laughs) Uh, To be fair, I have fallen asleep at two strip clubs, so I'm with Jay on that one. And as it stands, was not the only time I've fallen asleep at a strip club. (laughs) I don't like strip clubs, so I just feel like I have to be there. I'm so uncomfortable. I'll drink enough that I pass out. (laughs) So, and as they're yelling Norm's name out, you get the... um, the, him, you know, startled, wakes up, and he and he instantly goes like, uh, yeah, no, I have, I have time for one more, uh, thinking that that's why they're calling him. And, and that's the time that the laugh, it's almost like they wrote cues like they had in the notes, like, insert laughter when Norm says he'll have one more beer, but they put it the wrong time he did it. 
It's like there's somebody doing like applause signs in the stands or whatever, but they're like just off. It was like, yeah, the, the delay on the time. But um, yeah, so he's going to go home with Coach and Coach is giving him a ride. And he does say, like, can we stop and grab a beer on the way? So now we get to this point where it's just Diane sitting at the bar while Sam's there and everyone had left. And I, I thought it was like the bar is closing. It's so talk hard about to tell this. what time it is here. It looks like the end of the night. Right. Like everyone's wrapping up and now she's just uh, alone no, at the nobody bar. Nobody played closing time though. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, uh, everyone in Semisonic was probably, um, you know, toddlers at the moment. <laughs> but yeah, no. So like that is a time where time really confused me. But Diane's sitting alone at the bar now and she's saying, oh, you must be so tired of hearing, you know, people cry into their beer because um, I-, I glanced past another guy leaves the bar and says, you know, hey, Sam, thanks for letting me chew your ear off. And she's saying, you know, everyone's just, you know, what is this thing about bartenders where everyone just, you know, dishes out all their personal stories right before getting into her own now when she starts talking about Sumner. Says that like she was so flattered two years ago when they met when he picked her to be his teaching assistant, which, you know, when you look at it, like she was an attractive young woman and that's why he picked her. But she's, she looked at it as like, oh, this prestigious man is selecting me to be you know, under his wing. His job and love. Yeah, even in this moment of reflection, she's not really seeing who he really is, right? For the last two years, he's been the most important thing in her life, and now she's afraid she's going to lose him. Dave, uh, to go back your perspective on the bar end, I mean, is this trope reality? Are there, Is that just like how it works? Are people just un- unloading on the bartender? It's, it's one of those things, uh, 100%. It w- I know more personal facts about people than I ever would want to know. But it's like a two-part thing where it's like, you know, you want to help people because anybody just wants to like, especially in a, in a bar when you're drinking, people just start to get like, you know, loosen up. So they'll just tell you everything in their life, you know? But then also like sometimes somebody just needs someone to hear them talk, you know, like just listen to me say what I need to say and <clears throat> whether, whether you have an opinion on it or whatever, you know, no one's really looking for an opinion. They're just looking to tell someone their story. And it's also the fact where it's like, well, you know, this is my job. This is how I get paid. So whether I want to hear this story or not, I mean, at the end of the night, this man has to pay his tab and he's going to tip me on it. And it's not solely based on tips. I mean, you do legitimately get involved in people's lives without being involved in their life where it's like i'll listen to you talk you tell me what you want to tell me just because i know everyone needs to vent and you need to vent and i'll hear it you know you don't need my opinion you don't care what i say you just want to tell me your story so it's like i'm lending my ear and that's exactly what what sam malone was doing here he's just lending his ear he wasn't given his two cents about the matter he was just like yep i'm here i'm here to listen you want to talk let's go you know, and that's exactly what it is. I've I've listened to twenty two years of people's stories. You know, yeah, it's just one of those things that you just see it so often. You know, on television that way that it, you know it makes sense that it's coming from reality. I guess you do see. It. I guess on my perspective, I'm not. If I'm talking to the bartender and giving personal details, it would probably be because someone I know was the bartender. Right. But you do see a lot of it and you are around it a lot. Right. And, you know, I guess I I have seen it, you know, at times as being the other person at the bar while the, the person next to you is unloading. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of elements of it. You you do see it. And I've, I've worked non service jobs where just people just 
need to talk sometimes, right? And they'll just say something to anyone. Right. Just the stories when I worked in produce, like the, the things random strangers would say to me just because they needed to talk. Right. Especially like the the older generation, like the old the the old people where like, you know, they'll come into the supermarket and that's their day. They go, yep. they talk to the guy at the produce uh, section of the, the market about whatever. And then it's the same old guy that comes in who's retired, has nothing to do. He'll come in for a couple beers and shoot the shit with you for two and a half hours. You know, it's the same thing. My wife uh, works in a bank and that's pretty much her whole day. Right. I mean, it's like people who that's what they have to do today. But like, I guess I'll go to the bank. I'll do this. And they talk for an hour. And right. What are you going to do to those people? Tell them to fucking leave. Like you can't like that's. And also it's the circle of life. Like right. you will then be that person. Yeah. Any job when you're dealing with the public, you're going to get that one person who just sits there and, and wants to chat. I think there's also this like weird need for us as humans to interact and feel like we have to like fill the void like you can't just go to the bank or to the grocery store and just ignore the person some people are fine with that but i just think so many of us inherently feel like oh there's another human here that i'm interacting with in a short way i need to cut this i need to be personal right now it's like or personable i guess more, i think more a lot like. of it too is the fact that telling your telling your story or your situation to an absolute stranger is a hundred times easier than telling the five of you whatever problems are coming in. Because not that I think that you guys would judge me too hard, even though if you didn't judge me, I'd be upset because I mean that's I judge that's, the shit out of yeah, you. Yeah, that's what friend that that's what friendship's all about. But the fact is like I don't want to feel like you are judging me, which throws my friendship off of you, even though you're probably not judging. But like telling a stranger i don't i don't give a shit what the stranger says or thinks about me i'm gonna you tell see you him tomorrow yeah i'll never see you have the luxury guy. of knowing that it dies there too right like right. what's that guy gonna do with that information you know so that's right that's a convenience like even when i hear a story in the bar like someone will tell me their their story and like i don't come home and tell my wife that like oh this guy over here he told me this story about that because she doesn't know who the hell this person is like she, i mean i'll be like oh i heard a funny story about you know these two people did blah, blah, blah. But it's like, oh, well, uh, Bobby over here was talking about how him and Sally, you know, slapstick kids and whatever. And I'm like, nobody knows any of these people, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, Bob and Sally always slapping their kids. It's like a Mellencamp song over here. <laughs> um, Dave, so you were saying that it's more like a lot of older people, you notice. Do you think it has something to do with, like, therapy? Like, if older people come in, they're less likely to go to therapy. It de- to well, super I mean, it deep, definitely is younger a people form, go. It, it, yeah, I mean, it definitely is a form of therapy. I mean, the fact that like instead of paying hundreds of dollars for a therapist to analyze you, you just spend whatever you spend on your bar tab and talk to someone who's not going to give you any kind of advice unless you're going to ask. Like, if somebody says, well, "What do you think I should do?" You know, obviously, I'm not a professional doctor or therapist, but I'm going to be like, you know, I think you should do whatever you think is right. You know, like I think it's, I think it's just older people come from that generation where they didn't do everything through electronics. They actually yeah. talk to people and converse sure, right. yeah, in person. Right. Um, to, to cycle back into this, Sam's trying to kind of console her in a way. And when she's upset about thinking that she's about to lose Sumner, he's like, well, you know, y- you're a beautiful young lady. And, you know, I think you could do something, you know, you can get with someone better than him anyways. He's, you know, kind of goofy. She takes exception to that. And she's very, like, offended in defending him and saying goofy. 
are you talking about Sumner? And she's like, you don't like him, huh? And it's like, no, I don't like him. And why don't you like him? Because he's goofy. And she's like, no, it's because he's everything that you're not. And she's saying he's well-bred, highly educated, distinguished. And he's like, you left out goofy. <laughs> That's where it like, really turns into like a Revenge of the Nerds slobs versus snobs scenario. <laughs> but even her, like, I did not leave out goofy, like the way that she retorts them. And I think, I guess it's so obvious from the beginning, right? Because it's just how your eye works on a sitcom. You know her to be like this main girl that's walking in. You know he's the main guy. And you've established that this guy's a dick. So you can only assume that they're trying to put these two together right from the start, right? Yes. Also, does anybody actually like champagne? No. I, I did champagne. I'm not a wine drinker either. So like that me whole world either, isn't for me. Like if someone's like, it's a celebration. I will drink like a sip of the champagne and be like, I'm done. I can't just drink this. And it's, it tricks me every time. I think it's going to be refreshing and it's a... Like, it's dry. It's, like it's so dry. dry and gross. There's I something a good champagne. Unless it's a delicious Florida, Andre. Like I did. Do you like a like a sparkling wine now, like the uh, non-alcoholic ones? No, I actually hate sparkling water. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you don't like spicy water. No, no. It's um, yeah. It's the irony of her sitting there and drinking because essentially she's sitting there and just drinking a a celebratory bottle for her wedding, and she drinks that's, a lot of it happening. because. Yeah. He left. He didn't even, he took like one sip. Summer takes like a sip of this bottle and then he leaves. Yeah. So it's basically Diane drinking the whole bottle of champagne over the course of the night. She should have been acting drunker at this point. Well, he did, he did put it in a bucket. Oh, does he through. ice it? Okay. Yeah. Right. There's a point where during this back and forth too, where as she's kind of getting on him now and saying that, you know, how much better Summer is than him. He mentions that, you know, this goof is probably going to be on a beach tomorrow rubbing suntan oil on his ex-wife. And obviously that line hit pretty hard. And she's like, you know, I've had a really rough day and I'm, you know, I'm just going to reward myself by getting out of here. And when Sumner comes back and you let him know that I went home. And then as she's stepping out, she's like, oh, I forgot to change the reservations. And Sam hands her a phone and she gets on the phone. And now she's like, oh, I'd like to change the reservations for Mr. And Mrs. Sumner Sloan flight 481 to Barbados. And then just through her reaction, you can tell the dialogue on the other end is, oh no, Mr. And Mrs. Sloan have made the flight uh they're already on it this is heartbreaking you yeah. do feel for her that's rough for her to find out that way and granted we're not in a <laughs> cell phone world or anything but i mean it's commonplace to call the bar right we're seeing that here over and over again this also does play into the weirdness of like a, i can't figure out what time it is where like she calls the airport they've already left because right after this the bar fills up again too like, I don't know what time it is. The airport's busy. They're going to Barbados. Like, if it was like, we're going to New York City, you'd be like, well, that could be any time of the day. Right. Any time did of it the fill night. Up? Did it fill up again? It I did. thought that was another it day. It fully fills up. Like, yeah. 30 people walk in the door. Like, oh. it, like a conga line comes in. I guess I missed that. That's where the big drink order comes from that's coming up. Oh, right. yes. yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And it was almost like they had to come in to make that work, right? That's why. And then she's like, how did you know? And his reply was a little, I thought was, he says bartender's intuition, but his delivery was a little not sympathetic enough, I guess, in that moment, because he's super heartbroken. I wish he just was like, because I was a drunk piece of shit, too. Like, that would have <laughs> been, like, an accurate and more realistic and understandable, you know, description. Especially now that he's sober, but, like, you can lean on the fact that he's not, like, still like that, but that he understood that, like, this is what shitheads do. I was a shithead. In the moment, too... And she's like, well, if you have this intuition, like, tell me what my future holds. And he says, well, I'm probably going to regret this, but you could work here. And she just 
starts hysterically laughing. I don't know if it was it was so preposterous to her or she was laughing through the 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 sadness because I think it was through the pain. I think she realized that maybe there was this was her reality now going from thinking you're about to marry this distinguished professor prof- professor and live this life that you know you've dreamed of and now here you are you're about to you know be a waitress at this bar. I just don't understand why she can't go into the field she was helping teach. Um yeah, I, mean, I don't know where she is in the schooling. They they don't get into enough detail about it to know. Also, it's a sitcom, so we have to get her out of that surrounding to be at the bar. <laughs> but um, during the dialogue is when we get Carla walking up, and she has this long order from all the women that just walked in, and that cuts off everything really quickly. And Diane goes, well, what makes you think I'd ever work in a place like this? And he's telling her, well, you can't go back there. Uh, I need a waitress. You need a job. And... He also mentions in the phrase, magnificent pagan beast has never left your mind. <laughs> so this is like his first time now flirting with her. It's like, oh, the uh, Sumner got on the plane. Coast is clear. So now, he, now he's going to turn on the flirt. But also good on Sam because he clearly liked her from the beginning, but he didn't make a move until he knew she wasn't dating somebody. That's a pretty solid move. The respectful five seconds before you go for someone who just has been single for... I don't care if it's five seconds. He waited yeah. until he knew she he was He at least single. waited. He did at least wait. Yeah, like, you're not crossing a line you don't need to cross, you know? I also like that when he said that, her reply was, now look, Buster, because it's, like, such a dated term. And even then, feels it feels dated in 82. Then. And then he asks her, what are you qualified to do? And she just goes, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> she well, just, at least she's accurate. I mean, she's not, like, hiding it, you know? And she says... You know, but somewhere I'm going to find the job that's perfect for me. And right as she says that, he like cuts her off because, as we said, like Sam's working throughout the episode, right? He's still functioning in his job like throughout the show. So he stops her real quick and says, Carla, what is it that I'm making? And that's when Diane kicks in and just gives the whole order, which is a very long order, um, you know, word for word and had it in her brain. And that's when there was that like sobering moment like, oh, no, this is what I'm meant to do. Kind of a weird order, too, which makes you also think that I guess it's late night because there's a couple like Jameson and coffees, I think, that happened there, like some perky backups. Because there was like a there was like an old Bushmill Irish decaf, hold the sugar. Yeah, so he says with yeah, decaf and hold the sugar makes you think it's late night, right? Like somebody's trying to not keep himself up too long, or it could be breakfast time, who knows? (laughs) Or it's 7 a.m. and this bar just doesn't close. This This is a very interesting bar as far as time goes, and we cut to the next day. And we have, you know, it's Diane's first day on the job. She's dressed very differently now. She has like that kind of like plaid button-up shirt on, her dressed-down attire. And she's excited because of her first customers coming down. And two people enter and they sit at the table. And I didn't even know if they established, is this this is, is this is drinks only here? Do they have food at Cheers? Just the peanuts. You get the food upstairs. Yeah, it's actually in the contract that they can't serve food. It's not established here in this episode, but okay. it is established. Okay, so on, uh, in, yeah. in like canon for the show, that that's a thing. And Dave, is this smaller apron called something specific? Uh, like Carla has the little one with all the red socks buttons on it, but like it's not call a whole it the apron. tiny apron. Yeah, yeah no, like, is it like a name for it. No, it's not, waitresses. Not that I know, but I mean like or, you know, or a cafe. There, yeah, a cafe. it might be a cafe apron, a cafe apron, if you will. Obviously, yes, there it is. How it's done. I've never up. worn an apron in any of the places that I've bartended in because it's uh, not needed. 
<laughs> I don't to know. be fair though you're a man with black glasses and if you wear an apron right now people are just gonna assume that you're gonna fucking cut their hair or something <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. just gonna so, look like some weird right. thing that's not a bar anymore right. you never wear your apron up though no over your neck like if anything you'd roll it and you tuck it so it's around right your pants. i mean you, you wear the apron up over your neck in the kitchen not in the bar i've actually never done that i've i've never done that in the kitchen i've always had it around my waist well with these with, with like the servers here it's mainly because they're you know they keep the notepad the yeah. and pencil right. and stuff with them, i mean but. also it's 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 business a it's a business preference too like if you work in an establishment that requires you to wear aprons then that's what you it. I mean, I worked in a in a bar where it required me to wear a tie, and which I thought was the stupidest thing in the world. Because if you got into a fight, they were just gonna rip that tie and punch you in, right. the, in the head. You know, yeah, it's just a grabber. Yeah, that's where you got to wear a clip on tie. No, you could. I, that's the that's the beauty of it. They wouldn't allow you to wear a clip on tie. You had to wear a tie tie. It was, but nobody would know. I, I would nobody know would right ever away. know exactly. Yeah, I would know right away. Yeah, and I was just like, this is. You can tell because I'm not plastic. Wow. So do I, just to tie everything in now, these customers walk in and she walks up and she says, you know, welcome to Cheers. My name's Diane and I'll be serving you. And then immediately just like sits down with them and starts going into like her story and why she's there and how, you know, when I was first offered the job, I laughed in his face and she's going on and on. And then it just ends with uh, then just looking at her and saying, where is police? We have lost our luggage. Like he's reading a translation book because uh, <laughs> the couple sitting there are not um, English speaking people. They're so Swedish, I believe. This whole dialogue that went to them was all for nothing because they have no idea where they are, essentially. Has anybody ever had this happen to them, Dave? I wonder if you've seen this happen. Have you ever seen like a waiter or waitress just sit with the customer and go too far? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, where it's just like all of a sudden the, the, people will just start talking and then the server just sits down and then all of a sudden it's like well we lost that one it's gone now yeah and by the time you notice they they're sitting at the table they've been sitting at the table for 20 minutes and not a single order has been taken yet it's in cards at hooters yeah yeah, (laughs) right once on a date at chili's the waitress started crying and said i'm really sorry it's just this song it does it to me every time and then she said it next to me and i was like i don't know how i'm gonna get out of this scenario like i don't know what to do we were like, I was like 17, right? Like, you're not like some Lothario. Like, you know how to handle this scenario. Just like angry girl and weird fucking crying waitress was just like, I would like the burger that has the fried cheese on top. I don't know how to get away from one to the next year, but I always think about that. It was the Chili's in Harvard Square that is now like a fucking fancy restaurant or something. The move is that if they have a touch tunes, you then play that song nonstop. Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know if you do something like that at Dave's bar. He shuts off the jukebox and steals my money. That's, that's right. <laughs> what song did you play? It was the Titanic. The theme, Titanic right? song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what you get. Yeah. Uh, I would. I'll. I'll. I'll tell this because I can't think of a better time to bring this Berg, up. Then. I'll give you the dollar and back. There was um. So at another place, uh, David used to work at that was um near the garden where all the big uh, events and the Red um, Bruins and Celtics play. Dave, I don't know if you remember this. We, we were there once, and there was, like, a big concert. I want to say it was, like, Aerosmith or something like that. Some, like, metal, not like not that Aerosmith's metal, but, like, a rock band of, like, that era. Yeah. There were a lot of, the crowd was for that, but we were just there to visit. Right. And I kept going up to the jukebox and playing, like, an NSYNC song, <laughs> and people kept getting so angry. And then, like, so I'd play it. Like, real I, rockers. 
like and people started like audibly getting mad because I would play it every other song. So like there'd be other songs that were like, you know, Bon Jovi comes up and they're like, yeah, and everyone's getting excited. And then back to the same in sync song <laughs> and then next song. And then we get into an Aerosmith song and everyone's like, yeah. And the next song, the same in sync song from before. And I'm now hiding in a corner because I can't stop laughing <laughs> because it's like, I'm people are getting so mad every time. Like, and they're like, like audibly like yelling about it. And I just, I was so tickled in that moment. <laughs> and, uh, it just, it, every time I think back, it just, it, it makes me laugh because I take such joy in making people miserable. It's, it's fun. Cut. Cuts to an hour later when they all realize it was Jay and he's running down the street while they're chasing him with torches. <laughs> they got torches and pool sticks and they <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. It was in East Boston, but we used to go to this pool hall in Oregon Heights where yes, billiards. the entire crowd pockets. hated pockets. us. Their pockets. It was called Pockets, a very original name. And the crowd hated us there, so we would always just like when we left put like Twenty dollars in the jukebox and only play uh, the Grease Lightning Mega Mix, <laughs> and we would just let it play for like a minute and then all walk out, knowing like, sure, you can pull the plug if you want, but at least eight minutes of this, they're gonna be like, did you say Grease Lightning again? <laughs> like, there has to be action taken to it. I do love when you get to leave a room being like, I probably caused some discomfort. That being said, uh, we- we've gone eventually gone through the entire episode, so. That's it for Cheers, uh, episode one. Uh, before we move forward to the green light or cancel, is there anything on this episode you guys wanted to bring up? Yeah, I, I, I think we all forgot the very beginning. We touched upon the fact that, like, obviously Cheers is downstairs and there may or may not be a back exit, but everyone forgot. I know everyone saw it, but didn't notice it. There is an old woman in a wheelchair in the front of the bar. And really? It, it, go, back, go back and watch the episode. First of all, you see two you see two weird things. When it's supposed to be just Diane and Sam in the bar, they pan into a wide shot, and on the right side of your screen, there's clearly a man sitting on a stool with kind of like a black uh, jacket and a pair of jeans, but the camera sees it, so it quickly like pan shifts like really fast to try to get him out. And then... While everyone's coming into the bar, there's this old, decrepit-looking woman, and she's in a wheelchair. And it's like, how the hell did this lady get down here? That's the problem. They probably can't get her out. So now <laughs> she's just sitting there. Yeah. Right, because later on, you see people going in and up, like up and down the stairs to the restaurant, and it's a pretty steep set of like hard wooden stairs. Yeah. So that's how they should have ended. Cheers. They should have just had Norm fall down and break his neck. And just light it on fire yeah. and walk and then, away. And like then his, his wife sues chairs and Sam goes to jail for lack of insurance. Well, that's when he moves to the North Shore. I think he buys a house in like Linfield. No, they just tie the whole thing together and he moves to Barbados with Diane. Right? <laughs> Sumner comes back. Sumner comes back. Sam, I still have my ticket. <laughs> but yeah, go back, go back and watch that episode. The first episode. All you got to do is watch like however... Many minutes in, it's very, it's very quick. But that woman in the wheelchair is sitting there, and it makes you question, like, how the hell did she get down there? This is why this show exists. It's making so like weirdly pull apart the weird stuff yeah. on a pot. She's like been a, there so long; she wasn't in a wheelchair at the start. That's true. She was a very young, attractive woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, an alternative universe where Diane's just waiting for Sumner to return. <laughs> Quantum leaps in. It's a, yeah, it's a time jump. <laughs> you, you know, to wrap all that up. Cheers, obviously, a very long-standing, iconic show. 
you got, you know, spinoffs off of it and still lives in the world today. I, I feel like we talked about this when we decided to do this episode. It's a show that is iconic, but I feel like it's not as strongly remembered modern day now as it once was. It's kind of slipping out of the pop culture. Granted, it's a 40 year old show now, it's but outside of Boston. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem like it gets the, you don't see as much um, memorabilia, like things that pop up for it. Like you do see a lot of the other like major shows that had this kind of a run. I'll give you that. But I mean, it's also hard to gauge because of the area that we're in. We live in the area where it's most prevalent. Right. Correct. So like, yeah, we're going to be biased towards thinking that it's a bigger show than it really is. No, but it was. That's the thing. It was like a cultural phenomenon for a while. Like the show is gigantic. I can't see it. I just can't. But it, but it was. It, it's not I, like it, it was. Yeah, it's not up for debate, Gordo. It was. It was the <laughs> no. number one show for winners <laughs> in the last few seasons. All time. Like it still has records that no shows have beaten. Like it was the most popular show. I think for for uh, series finales, it goes like Mash and then Cheers, or like Cheers is like top five and most watched finales. I'm, I'm pretty. So sure. I guess the the theme is if you want to have a very successful show, you need to have a sad, <laughs> like old timey <laughs> intro. Like <laughs> yeah, right. Not a beat theme song. Yeah. The older the intro, yeah. Let's all go to flame. And I mean, this has a much better last episode than Seinfeld, which is the show that this is most often compared to. I think I like Seinfeld more than Cheers personally. I think that's just a time and place thing where like that was on. I, I don't want to get I don't want to get into another show, but I, I think Seinfeld gets a bad rap on that last show because throughout the nine seasons of Seinfeld, they didn't give a shit about anybody or each other. And then when they all go to prison and they're sitting in that cell together, they didn't give a shit about anybody or each other because they're just nonsensical bullshit talking. I think the last episode was great. Because it's emotional. Seinfeld, they were smartly like, this shouldn't be emotional. Right. Seinfeld is just one of those shows where the whole premise of the show is that it was a show about nothing, right? So like, how do you, you can't really wrap up stories in a big way right? when that's kind of the overall theme. There's no like big story arc that you're building to, to conclude. I fear the day we do Seinfeld and the nine-hour episode that becomes. Well, before this becomes a nine-hour episode, to wrap up Cheers now, we, you know, we've said our piece, we've covered the episode in great length, nothing left to do but the green light or cancel. Uh, we are in a potential situation for a tie because it's the first time we have a, a six-man vote, but ultimately, I, if I'm being honest here, I don't think it's going to matter, but we'll see how it goes. Yeah, um, we'll see how it goes, but I'm just going to go uh let's start uh with our guest first dave green letter cancel cheers uh 100 green light this show is forever going to be one of my favorite shows and i i don't know it's just one of those shows and it's not just because i'm from boston it's just because like maybe it's because i'm a bartender and everything that they do i've mentioned it in the show everything that they do you're doing at, when you're at work it never stops working. It's the true to life show. So, and it get, it only gets better throughout the time. And the first episode was amazing. I thought it was great. It had great one liners. It was very quick witted, and you got a lot of characters introduced in a short time, and they were in and out, and they didn't spend too much time. Just oh, this is him. This is her. This is them. You know, it was great. Joe, yeah, I love this show. I've always loved the show. I think I actually told the story in an episode. If- maybe a few months ago where I went to the cheers uh, store in Boston 
and just so excitedly told, asked the 16-year-old girl, like, oh, you get to watch Cheers all day? You must have the best job ever. And she was like, fuck you. I hate my life so much. I wish I worked somewhere else. And I was like, oh, other side of the coin, I guess. I've always loved this show. Um, I think of it as, like, when I first started falling in love with TV, shows like Cheers and Seinfeld and, you know, all these network sitcoms that made me the stupid cable boy I am were a huge part of it. Um, and this is a great, funny episode. I think the only downside of this episode is you don't really get enough understanding that Cliff will be sort of part of the crew, but, like, that's not, like, a big issue, right? I think it's funny. Uh, it's sarcastic. I love Ted Danson. Uh, this show rules. It's a green light for me. Gordo. So, as I said before at the beginning of the show, I never liked this show growing up. But with that said... So I didn't, I, I watched enough when I was younger that I knew I didn't like it. So I came in with fresh eyes and I'm going to green light it. I can see the appeal of it. Now that I'm older, obviously I was not the demographic that they were going for, but it was good. It was entertaining. I want to see what happens in the second episode. I think it's kind of brilliant too, that the way that they set the show up where there's going to be characters coming in and out all the time. So you kind of don't know what you're getting. You're just getting a core group of people and seeing kind of how they interact with the environment, which is interesting to me. So, and it was funny enough, green light from me. Ferg. All right. I like most of the characters, you know, Ted Danson's great coach, you know, it's on the line. Love Rhea Perlman. Uh, me liking all those characters is not enough to overcome my hatred for Diane. Uh, cancel from me. Uh, it starts with, you know, I, I still not wild with that intro and I, I just could not stand Diane. And if the show had like more bad things happen to her, maybe I'd tune in. Yeah. Sorry. I, I hate to be the bad guy. I know the show. I've watched a good amount of it. It is a better show. I just did not like this, um, pilot. So it's not the show itself. It's this pilot. So yeah, cancel from me. Nick. Yeah. So, I mean. This is a green light for me. It uh, I tried to do my best to separate the you know my knowledge of what I've seen of the show because I do love the show and tried to watch this you know bare raw the I, it's like a it's like the first chapter of a book right like it really has to grip you to want to keep going and I think this episode did a really good job of gripping you and keeping you or wanting to keep you interested the. The the quick wit, like Dave mentioned, is is really good. All these actors are really comfortable in their skin, and you can tell, like, because we've seen the rest of the show, not a whole lot changes about these characters. Like, they figured it out day one and really just kept running with it, um, and they did a really good job. And I was just like, I want to see where... I'm, I'm with Ferg in a sense that I really don't like Diane either. Um, I think she's... And not in a way that you're supposed to not like the character, right? Like, I, there's something about her that really kind of agitates me. But having said that, I do want to see where this storyline goes with Sam and her and, you know, the rest of the crew. So, yeah, it's a green light for me. Love the show. Uh, R.I.P. Harry the Hat. Uh, Harry the Hat. So, for me, there's, uh, I did walk in this pretty fresh. Like I said, I've watched Cheers as a kid, but I didn't have a lot of knowledge of the show modern day. I don't really remember much of it. So, like, storylines and stuff are pretty foreign to me. Going into it, I thought I might not like it. I thought maybe it was a show that was just, you know, in the times or whatever. And 
maybe a little too dated if I didn't have a connection to it. But watching it now, maybe just being the ages we are, it really did resonate. And it's funny because uh, I forget which one of you sent um, the meme or whatever of all of their ages, like in that first season, Gordo, that yeah, makes sense. Gordo sends all the memes. And like all these guys are about our age now, or if not a little younger, which is very scary because in my opinion, they all look a lot older than we look right now. But yeah, just it, it's, you can relate to it, just that camaraderie and all that. And I just thought that the humor was, was very well done. It wasn't over the top. It was just in a way that felt like real life. And um, I tend to gravitate towards stuff like that. So for me, it's a green light. Um, I definitely enjoyed it. And now I'm kind of at a point where maybe this is a show that I'll try to go to bed to or whatever and maybe not binge at all because I don't have 275 episodes worth of time on my hands. But, you know, something that maybe I'll try to prioritize when I have a spare moment here and there. That being said, wait, Jay, five real, out of real quick. I'm sorry. Do you know that the director of this show is like notorious for directing pilots of episodes and a lot of the stuff that you covered? Like he, James Burrows done like the Big Bang Theory, Will and Grace, Superior Donut, Two and a Half Men, Friends. He did almost every episode of Superior Donut. Yeah. Third Rock. He did Wings. Like, so he's like a pilot episode. Yeah. There's a lot of guys I had heard in, um, I don't know if it was. I think it was George Lopez. We talked about special pilot directors. Well, yeah. So what happened, I think I was listening to that new Pod Meets World um, podcast about Boy Meets World and they talked that. Some directors are known to be pilot episode directors because there's some weird like cut of the show that they get for being part of it. Like, so it's like lucrative to do pilots. Huh. I don't remember all the specifics, but there was something to it. But yeah, that's a, that's a huge list. And because you mentioned it, for those of you who haven't forget listening to our episode, if you've never seen Superior Donuts, go back and try to find that somewhere. I know it's a little tougher to find on the internet now, but great show, great show. Uh, doesn't get enough credit. Uh, great cast. Yeah, five out of six for Cheers. So congratulations, Cheers. You get the green light. Woo! Be sure to go to S1E1Pod.com. That's where you can find all the links to all our social media, everywhere where you can follow us. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff. Please uh, leave us a review on Apple if you can. Follow us, S1E1Pod, on Twitter and Instagram. We do love the interaction. I've been saying this every week. Uh, more and more of you guys have been chiming in, commenting, and we do... Uh, very much appreciate that so keep that up uh, we love it Dave uh, anywhere you need to plug before we wrap this up yourself yeah you can check out my podcast at iapradio.com we do the less glamour side of sports each and every week me and my new co-host Sarah we talk about everything from any sport you want iapradio.com Instagram Twitter all that we got it all right, so yeah, uh, to wrap things up, guys, that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Tune in again next week. We'll have another new episode for you. Thank you. Good night. I think we got the best 38-year-olds born in 1940. Fuck, I hate saying that so much. <laughs>